<laughs> is this our intro? That's, um, that's, that's dramatic piano. That's, this is intro slash outro. Ooh. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> oh my god, we have a rim shot. <laughs> we have a rim shot. Okay, we uh. might have to try to use the Zencaster one for this one. Because I'm going to use that rim shot <laughs> when appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I also feel like I should use that when we talk about the cabbie sex scene. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Uh, they gave us sound effects. What a disaster. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to abuse these so terribly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so should we just, like, jump in? Let's just jump in. Yeah, let's just jump in. Um, should we introduce ourselves? Probably. Okay. (laughs) Alright. Hang on, hang on. I feel like I, we've, it's been... (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody, welcome back to Metastation for our season four trailer podcast. Uh, we are now back with sound effects, so get excited. (laughs) I am in control of dramatic piano, <laughs> drums, and ballpark, which I will be using liberally throughout. There you go. I'm Erin. Um, I don't remember anything about myself, as usual. Uh, <laughs> how old are you? Do you remember how old you are? I'm 34. Yes, yes. Yes. I'm 34. That's uh, right, right? <laughs> And I'm Claire. I am uh, in Portland where it is snowing and I am 35 and I am and we've upgraded to a new version of our recording software that comes with sound effects and Aaron has gone mad with power <laughs> so if you hear rim shots or weird noises throughout <laughs> oh my god <laughs> this is already a disaster <laughs> oh. Uh, we're back. We missed you guys. Um, we're really excited. <laughs> we're a little loopy. Um, yes. This is going to be fine. We both watched this trailer like a thousand times. Yes. Although and we, we want to get this. Good. Because I think I like, I only watched it like actually like all the way through maybe five times. Uh-huh. And then the rest of the time I was hitting pause every four seconds, which actually like, starts to get really hilarious after a while because like the dialogue is just like, that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're and you're freezing on like weird faces and like you yeah, like, like oh, strange yeah. like very weird expressions yeah um yes, yes yeah so we're so we wanted to get this podcast up like the day the trailer came out so we're not editing any of this we're gonna just like get this up on soundcloud and get it out to you guys so it may be full of lots of ums and ramblings and very interrupty and so if we sound like like crazier than we normally sound it's because we spend a lot of time editing to make ourselves sound smart yes and today we're gonna be giggling loud yeah yes yeah behind the scenes yes before our very intensive editing process we actually are idiots um (laughs) 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 oh my god Piles of bodies. 
Like actual uh, literal so piles of bodies. Yeah. Actual not good. literal, like plague level. I was sort of disappointed that we didn't get like straight up plague masks. I think that would have been a way cooler design choice. For them. Yeah, I feel well, I feel like, you know, we don't maybe we'll maybe we'll get it. We don't know. Um, that would be so cool. No, there was there was certainly a lot of like bold death aesthetic happening really throughout. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um so okay, so I guess we'll start with uh you want to start with Clark cuz that's where the trailer starts and Yeah, Clark and the is... and this sort of like nuclear apocalypse 101 kind of overview. Yes. Yeah. So, um in terms of that, you know, I think um, I mean, obviously, like, they start with that, the scene in the City of Light with the debate between Allie and um, Clark as a way to just remind everybody what's happening. Um, but, you know, like, there's always, like, a reason why they pick the exact lines of dialogue that they do. So, I mean, I think it's probably um, probably significant. Like, plot I think it's significant that they told us exactly how the sort of, like, death apocalypse is going to happen. You know, first the Black mm. Rain... And then um, the irradiation, and we got some, like, lovely shots, CGI shots of people being uh, <laughs> being incinerated at the pyramids. Um, yeah, which, which for... is, now, am I wrong? Is that our first confirmation that life has survived outside of the northeastern United States? I think it is, yeah. I mean, assuming that that's not a flashback. Um, yeah, which, oh, that's true. Yeah, which it could which be. Yeah, It could be, although, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think there's any particularly good reason why... To think that it's yeah. that instead. It just felt like a real bummer to, like, confirm that people all over the world survived and then be like, just kidding, they're all going to die now. <laughs> well, I, like, I mean, remember what show we're watching, Claire. <laughs> well, all right. Um, okay, that, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but I mean, I do think that, that the fact that they replayed Clark saying that line about, you know, you don't, you don't. Uh, what is it? You don't. You don't um, ease pain. You, you overcome don't ease it. pain. You overcome it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's really important, just as a way of like announcing, kind of like, all right, like plot wise, this is where the season is kind of like this is the premise, but then also yeah. kind of thematically, you know, it's important to pay attention to those little. Um, I mean, those like those things are not by accident. So I think that seems mm-hmm. like a kind of like good touchstone that um, that. Like okay, so like this is a this is a season about like overcoming pain, and I have a feeling kind of because a lot of like I mean for all of them, but especially for Clark, it seems like the bits that we got for her, um, a lot of it really does seem to be kind of going back and actually um, working through some of the the kind of like repercussions of the stuff that she's done since season two, mm-hmm. um, and in season three too or, as well. Um, in a way that I don't think that they they quite got to last season, you know, because like in the first yeah. half of the season she was in Polis, um, and so like some of that stuff it was it was kind of there. She had that fight with Bellamy in three hundred five, but it was sort of like muted. It was like really it was really kind of like a subtext behind what was happening with Lexa mm. and everything else. And then in three B. I mean, again, like a little bit of it was there. She had that fight with, or there was never more, you know, she had the fight with, um, with Jasper and, you know, just like some back and forth, but it never actually became, she never really had that conversation, that confrontation with anyone other than Jasper and Bellamy. And she never really kind of like confronted, you know, it was like a little bit, it wasn't like really totally worked through. Mm -hmm. So, um, so, I mean, I think, 
you know, having having that line from Monty saying to Clark, you know, you're doing what you're doing. You're, you're going too far. And it's the same justifications for our people. And she says it is, you know, I'm kind of, I actually am like really excited that they're sort of picking up on that tension again, that, because I think that's really taking something that I was really excited about the kind of like theme that they were developing at the end of season four that I was really excited about, which is the idea of like, so up until up through season three, at least the first half, you know, that's been the consistent justification, right? Like this is the mm-hmm. thing the show says, like you do what you have to do for your people, for your people, for your people. So I'm actually really happy that they're picking up on that pushing back that we got, particularly with Luna, the kind of confrontation between Luna and Clark last season and sort of developing that and like, and, and sort of working through okay, you know, so so maybe Clark is okay with doing these things for her people still, but, like, is that really the right way? You know, is there yeah. another way that other characters are going to be trying to find? Um, so so I think that's that looks like it's going to be an arc. Um, and that kind of folds in with her reckoning with what she's done. But, I mean, it seems like, you know, saying we don't ease over pain, we overcome it, kind of seems to be, again, signaling, signaling Clark sort of going face-to-face, not only with her past decisions, but maybe also with like confronting the way that she's making decisions, even if that makes sense, you know, like this Mm -hmm. is Clark having to be like, it can't be just business as usual anymore. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. (laughs) No, I think, yeah, I think that, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think that I, I was like you, I was really, um, I was, I was very interested to hear the sort of the kind of pushback on Clark's decision-making, you know, what, whatever, what seems to be sort of, sort of um, fomenting, across the board in this in this trailer for me was sort of a generalized sense of there is a there's a thing that Clark decides they have to do to save everybody that that has become enormously controversial that a lot of people think it's a disaster that that seems risky or seems like is potentially putting their people you know, at some high risk and she's convinced this is the thing that they have to do to save them. And you sort of see along the trailer, you know, it seems like Kane and Abby are probably on Clark's side. Monty and David Miller are the two who seem to be on the other side. Jasper has seemed to sort of abdicate. So you sort of are seeing a little bit like beginning to get the pieces of sort of who's coalescing around whatever is this thing, you know, that, that Clark wants to do. Um, but I, but I like that it's being sort of presented in the framework of, like you said, the, the sort of the, my people question and the motivating force for the choices that she makes being, you know, really sort of her, her view, her vision for what's best for everybody. And it really seems like we're getting into some interesting kind of relational fracturing of other people saying like, I don't agree with you. That's what's best for us, you know? And, and so I think across the board, what I liked is that, you know, I mean, it was, it was, it was very fighty. There was lots of battle scenes. There was, you know, acid rain from this guy. There's lots of action happening in this season, but the real conflicts seemed to be relational and among the core characters that we care about in some ways that I find like really exciting. You know, I think, I think it, um, it really sort of seems to be recentering it back among relationships and the big action set piece things that are happening are in service of moving forward a story about these people and the way they make their choices and the choices that they make and the consequences of those choices and remembering over the long term the consequences of the past things that they've done um 
And yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah. Back where she belongs, right at the center of those group decisions. Um, so yeah, yeah so and I'm, she seems to be doing that. Uh, she seems to be doing that Clark thing um, as well, where she. I, I mean, from the hints that we get, there's a kind of implication from what Monty says that that she's a kind of. Um, you know, she's focused on that sort of big picture, like, all right, you know, I can't look at the sort of like individuals involved in this. This is a, I have to save my people sort of long-term macro kind of decision-making that she's, um, that that's kind of her forte. But we also see her, there's that, that scene in what seems to be some kind of like ravine or pass or something like that, mm-hmm. where the, um, Rowan is leaving, leaning, leading in the Ice Nation army and there's Clark standing there facing him, um, which sort of places her in, you know, insofar as there seems to be a kind of like political plot happening, a sort of like wider, uh, possibly a battle for territory or something like that, which is obviously going to get more and more intense as the they close in on what's the 6% of the earth that's left this habitable. And if there's a little bit of it nearby, it sort of suggests that like Clark is sort of playing that sort of like big picture chess game, you know? Um, right. and, um, um, and we can, we can come back to, um, Roan in a minute, but so I have a kind of like, I have a couple of hunches about, um, what the conflict between Monty and Clark might be in terms of like, what what it is what, what's the decision or what's the thing that um he objects to mm-hmm. and it's not like super specific i'm not gonna i'm gonna try not to get like because like you know what you could the only thing you can really sort of re- reliably predict from these things is kind of like general story right. structure not like details or whatever but um so we get that argument between we get the same between with the argument between clark and monty and then, like, right after that, sort of cuts to, there's a, a shot of Monty holding an axe, mm-hmm. and he's, like, chopping a chain, <clears throat> right? He seems yeah. to be, like, breaking a chain. And there's a sort of, like, there's a hallway behind him or a little, like, chamber behind him and a bunch of people. And the it, the walls, it looks like the walls are sort of metal, and there's, there are, like, parts of it that are red. So he's chopping that chain, and then when it's down, a bunch of people start coming forward. Um, and they look like they're grounders. One of the guys, I can't tell. So there's somebody in like, in medical, in like an isolation chamber with, um, precancerous lesions early in the trailer. And they show his face. It looks like it might be Roan, but I can't tell. It's definitely some kind of grounder. So it might be Roan. It might be one of these people that's in this, whatever it is that Monty is Mm. doing. So what it looks like to me, um, potentially is like, there are like there are some people who have been who are who are captive in some way who are being kept kept somewhere and he's freeing them right like that's kind of what it looks like yeah and Mm -hmm. so my what i my kind of like half hunch and i don't really know how i feel about it um is that clark's like we have to save our people plan involves something like making distinctions um something about like resource allocation that involves yeah. taking certain sets of people and having to to like keep them somewhere 
either for their safety or for the Arcadian safety or both. Like I, maybe they've been irradiated or something like that. And they, there's like something about those people where they they have to be like forcibly kept in a place. Mm. And Monty, and that was decision was Clark's and Monty objects to it. And so like what's happening mm. in that scene in part potentially might be him um, freeing them. Now, like that could just be, it could be totally unrelated and it could just be sort of like a trick of editing in the juxtaposition. But the way that they put those two things together in the editing, they sort of linked that fight to what Monty was doing there. And that's like kind of like, from watching it, that that's like this, this, the kind of best half guess that I have about what's going on there. Um, the interesting thing is that there's a couple other little scenes. So like there's a fight scene where like Bellamy is fighting with somebody. Again, mm-hmm. looks like a grinder. Um, and there's, and then like, there's another shot of Monty in that same place where he's like turning, he still has the ax he's like getting, and he's getting attacked by one of these people and behind him, you can see Bellamy and Miller. So whatever Monty is doing in that scene, Bellamy and Miller are there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, Bellamy and Miller are there. So, so if it is a kind of like you know, like Monty's like, screw Clark's plan. I'm going to go do this thing. Potentially Bellamy and Miller are on his side. Um, which I don't know. I mean, like with the, with the thing in the, I, I guess I wouldn't be totally surprised if there was some hmm. portion of the plot in season four that involved Clark and Bellamy being like at odds, um, mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Um, Although I would prefer they weren't, but you know, <laughs> there's a lot of story well, in them being actually like them actually disagreeing again about uh, policy. Well, and I was, you know, I was wondering about that too when I was watching it and trying to sort of get a sense of, you know, in insofar as we can tell who is on which side and who is sort of who has storylines with who of kind of you know what we can tell. Um, and Bellamy was sort of. I mean, we we have obviously, which we can get to in a second. We have you know multiple scenes of showing that like his and Clark's friendship and partnership and intimacy is really back front and center where it belongs, which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. But trying to sort of figure out, but but that that could either be later in this season and we work up to it, or that could be early in this season and things sort of devolve. You know, we don't know because the thing that I was trying to sort of reconcile is, you know, if if whatever is Clark's plan to save their people involves other people having to die or like you said, like resource allocation, the whole thing that Jason has been talking about, about the sort of idea of like not enough lifeboats. And then you have Bellamy has a line where he talks about like, I don't want to let any more innocent people die. And so what made me, I won't sacrifice any more innocent lives. Um, I might've watched that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So and so what was interesting to me was like so what so what I what I was hearing um and boy people can really tell what are the scenes that you and I have been watching over and over on repeat. <laughs> so what I was hearing was I was hearing Clark sort of in broad strokes what felt like similar messaging from Clark and Abby and Kane and yes. a very different message from Bellamy. Yeah. So because because Kane has the line, you know, Kane and, and Dad Miller have the exchange with um you know him saying like why you're gonna you know we should like we shouldn't be killing our own people or what you're doing is gonna kill our people and then kane says no i'm trying to save them and then abby tells what looks like i think raven um 
in the blue room, which we should talk about in a second. Yes. Um, Abby tells Raven, you know, basically like first we save everybody and then we get our humanity back. And so there's a kind of um, pragmatic, I don't want to say ruthlessness, but a little bit, I think ruthlessness um, in, in Kane and Abby in particular, that seems to dovetail with like, they are on board with whatever big crazy thing Clark is planning that that Clark is struggling to get everybody else on board with and they are with her and Bellamy seems at least in that moment where we're seeing him talking about not wanting to risk any more innocent lives maybe not to be you know that maybe yeah maybe Bellamy is not yet willing at whatever point that happens to go along with anything where he thinks there's going to be any casualties. Um, yeah. So, and, and then Monty very clearly um, Murphy, it also seems like maybe, and then also um, David Miller are the people that we hear actively sort of pushing back against like whatever the thing is that you're doing seems too risky, you know, or, or yeah, seems yeah. like too high high potential for disaster. Too, yeah. Like what, the, yeah. what we have to do in order to do this thing to survive would compromise would compromise us so much that you know the kind of like question like do we deserve to survive to go back to abby's um yeah season one yeah so i mean i kind of i sort of yeah it's i agree with you it seems to me that there is that kind of dichotomy being set up that that is going to be there's there's some sort of like central conflict running through the season between those two approaches Mm -hmm. um and uh and the other interesting thing is that just in terms of like, from what we saw, we never saw, we never seemed to see Clark in the place where Monty was with the red walls and um, where right. Bellamy and Miller were. And we never see Bellamy or Miller in the blue room. Right. Um, now, obviously like we don't, that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but there are these kind of like spaces where they right. aren't together that suggests that there's at least a portion of the season where they're apart. So, um, yeah, so I, I sort of, I sort of suspect that whoever is in, whoever is in that place where Monty is, they have something to do with that, that split. Now, the other possibility for that, for whatever that place is, the other possibility for it that, that wouldn't necessarily be like a, you know, like Clark has set up internment camps or whatever kind of thing, um, which would be like a super awkward accidental. Oh God, yeah. Uh, real <laughs> like, yeah. oh, let's hope they don't go there just because <laughs> yikes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so the other possibility is there, there's that shot. They're like they're walking up, a group of people walking up on a big cliff, and they're overlooking um, what looks like a piece of the ark. Um, and I'm assuming people... it's farm station because it looks like they're in Asgada, right? Because it's all snowy. Yes. Yes, correct. Um, now, the people who are there, it looks to me like from what I can tell, it's Bellamy, mm-hmm. Miller, Monty, I think Harper, and I think Brian. I think, um, yeah, I, I saw Harper too. I thought I thought it was Dad Miller because young Miller's on the boat with Abby. Well, we don't know that those two things are actually incompatible That's true. in time. They could, yeah, they could be different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but I'm pretty sure I saw Miller and okay. Brian. So that like, so the, whatever's ha- the thing where Monty is with the ax mm-hmm. chopping at the chain in the red place, um, mm-hmm. that might be in farm station. That might be that they go on like a, a mm. like some quest to farm station, oh, yeah. possibly yeah. to like get 
tech that was left behind there. And then they find that it's been colonized by Ice Nation people. Um, because the other thing is, like, later in the in the trailer, there seems to be, there's, like, a woman who yells, frag him up. Um, yeah. She seems to be in the same place, and I'm pretty sure she has the scarification of Asgata. So it's uh-huh. So the other alternate is that whatever's happening there, it's Ice Nation that did it. Um, and Monty, like, discovered that. And, and so, so that would be the version in which like the juxtaposition between the Monty chopping the chain scene and the Clark thing is actually Mm -hmm. not related except like thematically or whatever, but not actually like plot related. So that's like, so that could be too. Um, I would kind of prefer that because I really don't want Clark to be setting up internment camps from which Monty is freeing people. Yeah. Well, and, and that, which... Well, and what's interesting, so that could potentially, the other the other scene that could tie in with what you're talking about with, with Monty and with the chains is um, the, so the, the, the Kane-Miller scene is actually two scenes spliced together, of which one is him and David Miller having that little verbal exchange, but the other one, which is in a different time, totally separate, in what looks like it could be either that same red walled space or maybe the brig in Arcadia, but I couldn't tell where Kane has a gun and he's facing down a crowd of people, none of whom were recognizable faces. Um, and basically saying like, I will shoot the next person who tries to touch who, who comes near this man. And we don't see who he's talking about, but he's, he's physically yeah, blocking somebody yeah. with his body. Um, yeah. And, and there are, so, so my sort of guesses of like what that could be, um, you know, like maybe it's, Maybe it's Jaha and it's from very early on and it's people who just got out of the city of light and they want to kill Jaha. Maybe it's Roan and like they're bringing him in for treatment and people are like, he's Ice Nation, they want to kill him. But it feels like maybe the most likely is like if they have sick people that Abby and whoever is sort of on the like medical tech squad are trying to figure out how to potentially heal or treat, but they've been quarantined and everyone else is like, get the sick people out of here before they infect us. And Kane and his gun are sort of like standing between a mob and like somebody who is actually sick. Um, that could potentially tie in with whatever's going on. Like if Monty, if Monty's freeing people who have been interned or quarantined for, you know, for whatever reason of, you know, of Clark's that, you know, that again puts Kane and Clark on the same side and mm-hmm. Monty sort of in opposition um, which sort of fits with I feel like kind of how the lines were being drawn. So I don't know, but um, but it does it does feel like I'm 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 getting sort of an overall sense of like um, of of sort of the the kind of the I don't know the general sense of plague descending and like plague based hysteria, you know, and yeah, and for people, sure, yeah, people and kind get, of like, and everybody sort of breaks down. Yeah, well, and then we also like Jas the the Jasper bit. When he says, I don't want to survive, I want to live, like, that looks to be pretty clearly like Jasper kind of being, you know, the proponent of the, like, you know, screw it, let's just, like, fucking get drunk until we die, because, like, what's the point anymore sort of um, situation, which, like, which, you know, makes sense for Jasper, Um, but... So, uh, so that, so that would kind of like fit in with the sort of like, okay, like we're facing, you know, like this, this oncoming plague that we can't, that, that is, we're going to struggle to stop. Everybody kind of like fragments off, um, according to like how they feel like they want to deal with it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so that all makes 
sense. Um, can we can we take like an, I feel like this is a good time to do an interlude to squeal about our ships. <laughs> I think this is a great time for that <laughs> because right you know what happens right when Jasper is saying I don't want to survive I want to live. I you do. Know. I do you know what know. happens because I have watched that scene so many times. <laughs> <Set> up, <Alex! laughs> oh my god. You're ridiculous. No, I so so within within hours after the trailer dropping, um, it, so it happens at like two minutes and 14 seconds and 214 is already like a cabbie fandom thing now like like we've all like memorized the timestamp, and it's like code for cabbie sex um but no i i um i definitely screamed out loud like i like i i reacted dramatically i am very glad that i live alone um never i know i know right like what are the odds um because i i mean i was sort of i was watching it like i was trying to sort of like lower my expectations and be like you know like like out loud i'm saying and like i'll be happy if we just see kane and abby you know in in the trailer abby actually in particular I, i sort of felt like the odds were high that Kane was going to be plot relevant. And it's always Abby that I worry about more. Um, mm-hmm. And and then when it happened, I was like, Oh my God, I totally freaked out. Um, and, um, and so having, having studied that, you know, two seconds in enormous detail, um, my, my theories are, um, so like, so Abby is, Abby is smiling. Like they seem, they seem happy and like relatively chill. Like it doesn't seem like fraught, dramatic, you're about to die sex um so my theory is i think clark waits to tell everybody um like in the first in the very first episode i think she waits at least like a day to let everyone kind of like collect themselves and chill and she only probably tell i think she tells bellamy right away and nobody else until they sort of figure out what to do yeah um yeah, but like and like the whole like the whole tell them the whole thing, you know. Oh, um, right, yeah. And um and I don't think that she tells anybody else. And so I yeah, yeah. my theory because it's clearly just from the lighting, like it looks like it's polis, it looks like it's maybe in the morning. Um, I think that what we get in the very beginning of the first episode is like you know we'll get like Clark and Bellamy and maybe and maybe Raven like over the walkies because I remember Lindsay saying in an interview that there was sort of a like Clark Bellamy Raven, like differences of opinion about whether to tell people at all, which means Raven gets looped in before they've told everyone and before they get back to Arcadia. So maybe she doesn't tell them until they're back. Um, but so I think I, this is just my, this is my theory. Um, I think, I think the cabbie sex happens in the first episode, like, you know, healing, love, comfort, we're all going to be okay before they have any idea, like, surprise, the world is on literal fire. Um, <laughs> oh, and, man, this is the biggest, yeah, like, boner uh, killer ever. But, so, and, and, but part of why I think that is because, so because Jason likes to give us beautiful things and then cruelly snatch them away. So in the last trailer, there was, like, you know, cabbie kiss and everyone went all crazy. And then it was, like, they kiss and then they're like immediately separated. And when they meet again, Abby has gone like full evil. Um, and so I think 
we wouldn't get like cute domestic like naked cabbie snuggling um if it wasn't going to immediately like you know something terrible happen afterwards and so what i'm wondering is if the time jump that happens happens like between episodes one and episode two um Mm. and they end up on like different action squads for some significant portion of the early half of the show um with abby so abby's on the boat with Murphy and Amori and Jackson and Miller is all that I saw. Um, yeah. And, um, and Kane, we don't see anywhere that doesn't look like Arcadia. Um, yeah. And so I, so I suspect that it's, you know, super cute cabbie sex and it's going to be all wonderful and, and I'm going to be all <laughs> spoony. Um, and then, and then we will have to like hold on to that tiny little shred of hope while they're separated doing different doomsday errands for like five or six episodes. Um, but I, I, I mean, I'm just, I I am just so full of emotion and delight and happiness. Like, like just a that it's happening and that they're canon and they seem to not be dead knock on wood um and also <laughs> that they you know i mean i'm i'm happiest when like we get big cabbie romance and also they are plot relevant in other stories involving other characters so like i was also super thrilled about like that little hint of like drive by kane tavia in the voiceover when he's telling yeah. her the difference between vengeance and justice um i um, it looked like maybe when Bellamy goes outside in the hazmat suit, I couldn't tell, but it looked like that might be Kane watching him from the doorway. So like, is that like Kane and Bellamy are on a mission together? So like, there was lots of like little hints of like, you know, Kane moving into other people's stories. And then Abby is clearly on like some kind of tech or medical scouting kind of hero squad action. So they both seem to be getting real storylines, which is super exciting. Um, so my my hope is if we get like, you know, we get sexy times in the first episode, then maybe we'll get like <laughs> multiple sex scenes over the course of the whole season, but they're going to be like married couple all season long. Um, so I am, yeah, I'm feeling a, I'm feeling a lot. I'm feeling a lot. <laughs> Your turn. How are how are you doing with the with the Balark hand snuggling? <laughs> oh, I that actually that was like everything that I wanted. Like that was the exact yeah. type and amount of like Balark interaction directness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I, you know, obviously, I would have been happy with more interaction, but um, but yeah, no, like I, I that's that's exactly like that was what I was really hoping for was some mm-hmm. kind of scene that suggested that you know they're like reaffirming their partnership and their sort of like trust in one another and like reliance on one another and I mean you know like the thing that I really really love about Bellamy and Clark is that kind of like core of understanding that they have for each other you know the way that they're kind of like the person that they can each like the one person that they can each really turn to and like sort of fully be vulnerable and show their weakness and show their uncertainty and like sort of and have and trust that the other person is going to um like honor that and comfort them and tell them the truth and all that kind of stuff and so like that scene was really was just like really made me happy because it it was kind of it was like the epitome of a of a little blark scene you know so like yeah like you know Clark is upset and she's scared and she's crying and she's uncertain and um and and Bellamy is giving her comfort you know she asks him if he still has hope and he says as long as we're breathing which is just like such a beautiful um like I just went oh 
<laughs> I know. I, mean, I know. Has, I mean, and also just, I mean, so like beyond just the two of them together, but if you think about the way that this trailer is signaling themes and sort of issues that are going to be central to the, the to the season as a whole, that was one of those moments. And there's a bunch of them. It's not the only one. But that was one of them that really seemed to be kind of confirming, like, you know, there's like a there's a lot of people dying. There's a lot of bad stuff happening. But this is a really like this is a season about clinging to hope, you know, like this is a season about like, how do you hang on to hope and belief in, you know, belief in each other we have got that clark you know line where she's like as long as we stick together we can not only survive but thrive you know how do you look in the face of despair at this absolute just you know apocalypse like literal apocalypse and still hang on to the hope that you can that that you're not only going to survive but thrive and so um so like this was a little piece of that you know in that lovely way that i think a lot of the time Bellamy and Clark's relationship is sort of um, sort of encapsulates those themes and kind of like it plays mm-hmm. through them. And so to get that little moment from them was just like, it was just wonderful. It was wonderful to sort of be like, okay, this is where the show is going. It was wonderful because like, because it was the two of them giving that to each other. And then of course, like, you know, my little shipper Hardy puts his hand on her <laughs> shoulder and she like, she nuzzles his hand and I was just like, they're oh. snuzzling. Oh my God. I know. I know. I saw that and I was like, I was watching this like, I am so happy for Aaron right now. Like, I was just like, I was, I was feeling it. Like I was like, I'm literally feeling how she was like, I'm just like my joy at Aaron's future joy was like, I was like, Oh, this is so beautiful. I love yeah. you so much, Claire. I love um, you so much. <laughs> I like, felt the same way. I was going to say when I, when the, when the, the Kane, um, Abby, sex scene happened I remember actually I actually rewound it right away because I was like oh my god there it is and then I was like oh my god her shoulder is bare Claire is gonna be so happy <laughs> <laughs> and I was <laughs> we are so predictable <laughs> so predictable but, but yeah but I, I also that was oh go ahead I was like, so going back to, to Clark and Melanie so what I what I what I really loved about um those those two little moments of them, but also just kind of Bellamy throughout is and you, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier when we were when we were texting um, that it really feels like they've made the show has made a decisive turn away from like you know fuck it nihilist asshole antagonist Bellamy back to like the the Bellamy who who believes in hope and possibility you know like that that he yeah um that he has like so so having him be the one who says like no more innocent people are gonna die on my watch and having him say like as long as we are still alive there's hope i think i think those are those are important things for anybody to say and important things to include in this trailer i think sort of for thematic purposes but having them come from bellamy i think says something about like I think the show's realization that they took him in a really um, troubling direction in season three that really sort of took him away from the core things that make him Bellamy and, yeah. and that they're redirecting him back to that. So I, so I'm just, I'm so excited about getting to see, like I kept watching it thinking like, I feel like we're getting hints that like what we're seeing in this trailer are things that I sort of felt like I was expecting to see in season three that didn't quite pan out like yes, you know like when they yes. talked about like 
Bellamy will be recognized as the for the hero that he is in season three. And then in season three, he was like, uh, not that. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> delicately, you know. Um, but here, but here, I think he is. I, I think I think this seems to be really in line with a you know. Bellamy, once again, assuming the mantle of leader over the delinquents alongside Clark, you know, kind of position and and being on the side of like hope and salvation. And and so so I found like so made me really feel really hopeful. And there actually there was a number of sort of little things sprinkled throughout where I feel like I think the show is really signaling kind of an about face from that really sort of crushingly soulless grim dark you know everything is terrible um mindset that really was sort of fed through a lot of season three where like the show can still be dark and people can die and terrible things happen and they're facing the literal end of the world but like they're facing the literal end of the world in a more optimistic way than they faced a way less significant threat in the previous season. You know, like, like they've, yeah, they've, yeah, they've totally. found their way back to like what the show feels like it was always about was like, you know, it's this world where like these terrible fucked up things happen on, on sometimes a massive scale and, and it can be gut wrenching and sad and, and very, you know, dark and sobering without being, like nihilistic and grim because the show fundamentally believes in the goodness of people. And these people fundamentally believe that goodness is possible and that, and that human connection is a fundamentally positive thing. And they rely on their relationships with each other to get them through these things together. You know, it's all about together, you and me together, hand on the lever together, you know, and um, and we lost but, that for so much of season three. Yeah. And then also that, but like, the, uh, you know, in addition to that, that goodness is not a simple concept or a right. clear concept all the time, you know, that there right. can be these sort of like fundamental disagreements or conflicts, not only, in, not only just in terms of, um, sort of like zero sum perspective, you know, like what's good for me is bad for you kind of thing, but also just between people who have the same goals. Um, you know, so, so it seems like we're getting back to that kind of like, you know, everyone has the same goal, which is to save everyone, to save as many people as they can to save their people. Um, they all want to do what's right. They all want to do good, you know, but like, but there are genuine disagreements about what that entails and what it looks like, you know, like that's the stuff from like season one and two, that was really that they were, they did so well. That was like, that was so important. And I think got lost in season three a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah. And, and I agree with you. Like this really seems like a return to that, Mm -hmm. um, which makes me very happy. Also like to go back to Bellamy, I agree with you. Like, Having those lines in the trailer, the, the lines that we got from the trailer, from him in the trailer, really felt to me like, you know, kind of like, all right, we know we fucked him up last season. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have heard, we understand, like, we're, it's changing now. Um, so that was it. But but also, I think, you know, like in in three B in the second half of season three, they really did a lot of work on Bellamy's character, sort of getting him back to getting him to sort of to recognize the mistakes that he made in 3a like recognize that they were mistakes what the mistakes were and to start facing the consequences of them and sort of like try to reckon with himself for having done them um and i i thought that they did such like a really 
you know, like a really good sort of like subtle job of that in 3B. Mm-hmm. So it also, I think, is a signal that they're, that they're, you know, they, they are picking up that arc from the end yeah. of 3B and they're, and they're really like moving along the kind of logical, um, development of it into season four which really which makes me really optimistic too you know that they that they sort of recognize like three season three ended with bellamy saying to octavia or pike or whoever it was um you know like basically like i did these things now i have to live with them you know like this is like i just have to like live with the fact that i'm a person that did these things Mm -hmm. knowing now that what I did was wrong and, and, you know, and ultimately it's not something he can even like fully atone for. Right. Like he right, just has right. to do his best. And so, and so that's where he ended season three. And I, so I think having him say, I will not sacrifice any more innocent lives is kind of like, that's on that trajectory from where mm-hmm. he ended. Um, and so, so I'm glad that they're kind of continuing that. And I do think, you know, like if you just follow that logical projector trajectory of, of where his character's, where he is as a character with the situation that they're in, which is one that will require sacrifice of some kind from somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like that is, that is like a, an organic conflict just between like a character and the situation he's in. And it does seem like mm-hmm. also like, you know, we don't actually get like a very clear sense of what, um, of what Bellamy's arc is. I don't think, I don't think we actually get like that clear sense of what anybody's arc is. Mm-hmm. Um, per se, like we kind of have like a general idea what the conflicts are going to be for Clark. Um, but I think that's kind of like, in general, I think that's going to be the central conflict for Bellamy. And yeah. I think, you know, like you're saying, like we, insofar as we seem to have these two sort of like camps or like groups in terms of reactions to the apocalypse being set up, I think that that conflict is going to sort of align him against seems like probably against Clark and Abby and Kane to some extent for a while. I mean, it sort of remains to be seen how like big that rift is or how it plays out, but I have a feeling that's going to be kind of, um, those are going to be the sort of like main conflicts that are, that organize what happens. Um, yes. So, uh, anyway, hand nuzzling. It's, it's, (laughs) and hand nuzzling. Um, (laughs) and hand nuzzling. And, and, okay, I have to say this because, because I'm trash. I'm going to turn on the dramatic piano to say it. So, when the hand nuzzling happens, Jaha is saying, uh, you have to give them something to fight for. Yes. And that just seems, A, we can talk about Jaha now, and B, that ain't no mistake. I'm just saying. All right. Right. Yeah. No, no, I know. Yeah. Well, and that's actually maybe that's a good organic <laughs> transition then into <laughs> um, Brava on the piano. By the Thank way, you. Um, <laughs> you're having way too much fun with the sound effects, but I love you. Um, and that's actually a, a a nice transition. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm just gonna troll you. Now. You were saying uh, it's a nice transition. I was what, what I was saying before before the rim shot. Um. Was that that actually that's I think that's a good transition into Octavia because yes. one of the things that you and I were talking about before, speaking of Jaha, is that I think, you know, I think, I mean, Jaha has gone bald and has what looks like priest robes <laughs> and is either dead or napping on a stone, like plank. 
So, so uh, I'm not sure uh, what his deal is, but no he's sort of dispensing knows. Zen poems. It really looks like he found himself another weird ass cult to join, which is just, I mean, like that is yeah, logical. That, that is that is apparently what he does. Right, yeah, that that's what he would do. Yeah. So, so he's so he's sort of wandering around dispersing vague wisdom, but but I do <laughs> think that it seems to be the way that he's utilized in this trailer is. The, is the sort of abstract moralizing things that he says are are linked thematically with even if that isn't the person that he's talking to they're linked with what's happening in the scene under which he is speaking so i do yeah. think that yeah. the thing about something to live for being tied with clark and bellamy isn't an accident and i do think that him talking about the like your decisions chip away at your soul bit yeah, by bit. Yeah, every decision you make whittles, whittles you down, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think it's uh, every decision you make whittles yeah, you down. I, and it's over It's over a shot, like a tight shot of Octavia's face looking sort of like troubled and bloodied. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, I think we, we texted about this a little bit. But it does seem like there is some sort of deliberate... Um, parallel being made there which makes me again to go back to you know like last at the end of last season i think we talked a lot about the octavia problem which is just sort of like what the hell what was was even mm-hmm. her story in season three you know and and um yeah and we know from mike beach and also from a jason rothenberg interview that they didn't decide that octavia was going to kill pike until like you know like in the middle of filming um perverse instantiation part two so it's not like that was that was like the culmination of an arc that they had planned. It was a thing that they were sort of like, oh yeah, okay, this is, it makes sense for her to do that. Um, so it did seem sort of like, like Octavia's floundering a little bit. It wasn't really clear um, what exactly, you know, what she was doing or where she was going. But um, but that, that line, that every decision makes whittles you down, combined with um, what Kane says to her, you know, that uh, vengeance isn't justice or vengeance isn't the same thing as justice. And Octavia says, for me, it is. It does seem like what we're, what's being set up is that we're going to have, you know, a storyline for Octavia where, you know, at the beginning, she's like angry and she's she's out to exact her revenge on, I don't know, the world, I guess. Apparently a bunch of grounders. Yeah, because Pike you know. is dead, <laughs> so I'm like, who are you mad at? I'm not clear, but like, I'm assuming that'll be made clear. Claire, she's mad at everyone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> her mom is dead. She can't be mad at her mom. She already yelled at Bellamy. She's just going to like rage at the world. She found herself the hot topic in the basement of uh, the pole, the tower. <laughs> where Alexa kept all of her ancient, um, you know, black eyeliner pencils and she drew herself some new makeup and she's going to go. But all sarcasm aside. She really was serving yeah. some looks, I will say, oh in this she trailer. She like, like fantastic. She looks really good as a, like, a revenge murder grounder. Like, yeah, I'm not like mad that, at that it. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, that is, that is a good look yeah. for Marie Avdropoulos, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so it does seem like she's sort of, and then, like, I don't know. I'm like, I mean, this sort of seems like it's not even that she's, like, like, out for specific revenge, but, like... Um, oh, hang on. It's saying we lost connection. Okay. Um, she's like not out for specific revenge. She's just sort of like, like an angel of justice or something like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and somebody at one point says, oh, it's, uh, it's Roan, right? Roan and Indra. 
Yeah, they're calling her Sky Ripa, Death from Above. Um, so she's, yeah, so she's like, she seems to be this kind of like being set up as this sort of like angel of vengeance kind of, um, kind of mm. force with these other grounders. But that Jaha line does su- suggest that like her overall arc is about her kind of like deciding, you know, that vengeance is justice to go out and kind of like wreak her vengeance upon the world. And that, but that from that, she will sort of learn, um, that like things are not as like black and white as she wants to believe that they, mm-hmm. that they are, you know, that, sh- that she'll be sort of like forced into situations where she has to make these kinds of like difficult sort of like gray area calls um, or that she'll do something that will sort of like where she thinks that there's a very clear right and wrong and there turns out not to be. Mm-hmm. So it does seem like her sort of arc is, is taking that sort of like that, um, that anger and that, that kind of like, season three journey she was on where she was sort of uh looking around her and seeing everything that was like corrupt and wrong and everybody she knew um you know and and trying to kind of like unilaterally fix it and then learning Mm -hmm. kind of like that that's basically not possible if that you know um, yeah and i and i think i was i was interested in the juxtaposition of um well it definitely seems like we get pretty early on in the season and for a substantial chunk, um, her teamed back up again with Indra, which is wonderful. Um, and so, so one of the two things I was wondering about that are, um, I was, I was intrigued by the possibility of what could be some variant of the same arc that, um, or I guess of a parallel kind of arc to what happened with Pelamy, Pelamy, with Bellamy, where Pike, <laughs> Pike was like the you know bad angel on one shoulder and Kane was on the other, and they were sort of yeah. pulling him those two different directions. And so I'm wondering if like you know Inder talking about how proud she is of you know her baby girl has now become this like awesome you know vengeance warrior. Um, if Kane and Indra are going to be that for Octavia, you know, Kane trying to pull her in and bring her home, trying to kind of recenter her in this sort of not so black and white mindset. And Indra basically feeling like, you know, Octavia has assimilated everything that Indra was trying to teach her, you know, like, like Octavia has become what Indra wanted her to become, which is a blood must have blood, like old school, you know, like OG grounder warrior style, very black and white thinking. Um, so, so I'm interested in potentially, you know, if that turns into a kind of Kane, Indra, Octavia, I think that could be a really, the, the three of them together could be really interesting, but then also, um, and we can talk about this more when we get into the sort of like the, the grounder politicking of it all. But I was interested in seeing like Indra and Roan just like, standing next to each other being like in conversation because you know like indra like when last we left our heroes indra does not think any more highly of ice station as a whole than anyone else does you know like in the beginning of season three like her you know when she first meets pike basically like you know pike gains her respect for like holding out as long as possible and not being murdered by ice nation because she's kind of like, fuck those murdery assholes, you know? Um, so it doesn't seem like she's got, and, and, and I know that she didn't like Naya. So, so I'm interested in, you know, kind of 
that has to be late enough in this season that Octavia has like established herself as, um, you know, kind of like yeah. one head of 2.0, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, and so, so what I'm sort of wondering is if, um, oh, and then, and then this scene where we see her, we see her sparring with somebody with like white face paint. And I wasn't sure if that was like, tree crew or ice no nation? no i'm like, pretty sure she's ice nation because there's another shot later on where you see that same girl with an ice nation warrior okay um so i'm pretty sure yes. that was with ice nation and it looked like it wasn't that didn't look like sparring to me that looked like an actual fight like an actual fight fight i wasn't i yeah. think i i couldn't tell i was like either she's actually in hand-to-hand combat with an ice nation person or she's being like warrior trained by somebody from tree crew and i and i couldn't quite it was just too weird i couldn't quite couldn't quite tell but um but yeah so i'm so what i'm what i'm interested in about octavia is both sort of i think a two-pronged like her actual arc as a character um in terms of like you said like sort of you know she's always been very morally rigid she's always been very black and white she's she's not forgiving you know, like mm-hmm. if you cross Octavia's line, you have crossed the line. Um, and and I and I've sort of been waiting for, you know, three seasons for her to bump up against a situation like the ones that Clark and Bellamy find themselves in all the time, where you're sort of stuck between making a choice between two terrible choices. And so she's kind of always there to like judge the fallout, and she's never really there in the room having to happens. weigh those things with some real complexity. <laughs> so, I, so I'm interested in that. Claire, um, I have to stop you because I can't believe you missed making a Hamilton reference there. You know what? And I, okay, here's why I'm mad at myself because I actually, <laughs> I had one planned in my head. I was like, I was thinking, I was like, when we talked about the cabbie sex scene, I was like, don't forget that you have to sing. Look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. You can't let that moment pass. And then I forgot about it. I, I'm so and then you could have said she was never in the room where it happens. I could have. Oh, didn't. my God. I'm failing. I'm the worst. We had we had Zero a great like, two-episode two streak of Hamilton references, <laughs> and then we let it go for, like, 14 podcasts. But, We've got to anyway, get um, back on this for season four. We really do. Like, it, yeah, I think we should make that our thing. Um, but but so can, anyway, we, so, please, can we please refer the, to this as the Aaron Burrification of <laughs> Octavia Blake? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so I, so I, so I'm interested in, I just want to say that. <laughs> so I'm interested in like, in, in both what that, what the arc means sort of for her journey as a character, but I'm also, I, I think where I've come around on like dark Octavia as a storyline is because it seems just from the little bit we've got in the trailer to be setting up an interesting relationship between what she like, who she what she becomes or what she represents in terms of the bigger story about like what's going on with the grounders you know mm-hmm. and um and does rowan is what is what rowan is saying about like you know her being like her reputation and um and sort of who she's become and what that sort of uh, you know like i kind of mythological legend or whatever sort of springing up around you know octavia um is that tied in in any way to rowan's bigger story that's sort of about a kind of power grab in the vacuum like is this kind of like what his mom tried to do with juan Heta, which is like 
harness this kind of legendary warrior person for her own political purposes and is rowan kind of eyeing octavia like you could be useful to me and so i'm just i'm sort of interested in like that would in, be really, really own yeah. journey and also in like is is she connected in some way to the bigger kind of chess game of who's in charge in polis that we see echo and roan really sort of in the middle of that would also be really interesting i mean like that would be a fascinating story and that does seem like perhaps a place that it could go but it's also really interesting because that kind of adds to the sense that in some ways it sort of feels a little bit like there are some storylines in season four that are potentially things that were planned for season three and then didn't happen. Yeah. And that would be one of them. This is like, they had this in the bag when Naya was still going to be a thing. And then now it's just like sort of a redux version. I wondered about that too. Yeah. Because, because it felt so immediately like, okay, he's eyeing, is it, is it, Sky Rippa, is that what Sky they call Ripper, her? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's eyeing Sky Rippa the way his mom was eyeing Juan Hedda. So it's like already like the beats feel a little bit similar. Um, yeah, and then also and- if okay, okay, so hang on a second. If the thing with the red, the the room with the red with Monty, right? Let's say that right. is Farm Station, uh-huh. and those are Ice Nation people. And they're fighting them because they went to Farm Station because they need, like, some tech or something like that. And right. they, like, like find a bunch of far- of uh, Asgata people camping out and they sort of fight with them. <clears throat> um, and, okay, so, like, so then also there's that scene at the very beginning of the trailer where um, Raven is running through the woods getting shot at. And they sort of show yeah. show a bunch of people running and there's, like, the heat the heat sensor um, mm-hmm. thing they're looking at. And, like, it's pretty clear the people who are running, it's like Raven and whoever she's with. So those are Arcadians, but they're being shot at by somebody else. So it's possible that there's another element of this where Asgata has been raiding technology, like guns and heat sensors and all this other stuff from um, from Farm Station and that maybe they're, they were Emory's... Other buyers that she well, that's what to I was wondering because I remember, I remember we talked about that when we were doing our predictions for last season. Because yeah. in like in the first episode of season three, we get like kind of a long lingering moment on those Ice Nation scouts that one of them ha- that they have like they're like tech on them, you know, like like they yes. have it's like a whole like big they, thing when they in the first episode when they yeah. find the guy, like they they find them because they have the homing signal. That the people right, they're not afraid of technology, and yeah. so so you have you have that contrasted with like, you know, them really carefully building in like Indra like won't touch a gun, won't touch a gun, like that fear of technology is like super real. And, and it's like Ice the big Nation, the guy who blew up the Ice Nation guy who blew up um, Mount Weather yeah. who was using yeah, like, yeah, a watch, yeah. you know, like it was all sort of like set up to be this huge thing that went right. nowhere. That kind of went nowhere, like, yeah. Um, and and so yeah, and so that's so the and the Raven. I was, I have, I had a lot of questions about that, which is something I'm actually, I'm really interested in. Um, It's sort of, yeah, the question of like, who is Raven running from? Because the two possibilities are both sort of equally fascinating. One of which to me was, you know, is that all happening? Like, has she gone back with the, you know, with whoever's on the tech squad to Allie's mansion and are Allie's drones still operational? Meaning is there some part of Allie or Allie's mind or Allie's programming 
even if it's just defensive, that is still working. And that's like another thing they have to kind of circumvent. Mm-hmm. Um, or has somebody or, or the other only other explanation, if it isn't Allie, it's somebody else has um, gained use of Allie's technology and learned to harness it for themselves, including the drones and also guns. Um, and and so, yeah, so I, I was sort of wondering, like, are those Allie's grounder scouts? But they would all have come out of the city of light and sort of yeah. gone back to being themselves. So it yeah. really does feel like, um, you know, it's it's whoever, yeah, it's whoever was Amore's other buyer. And if her other buyer was, as we always suspected it was, Naya or Ice Nation, um, I, you know, I think there's, I think there's a really interesting... Um, that could be an interesting way to sort of bring in, bring back in one of those plots that felt like it was beginning to go somewhere in season three and then did not you know, which, yeah. which seems like, you know, and, and also along with um, the hospital stuff. Yes. You know, yes, like all yes, of the exactly. Abby and Nico and Lincoln and the blood transfusions in Mount Weather and the hospital and the sort of like, like knocking at the door of what could have been a really interesting sort of plot based on like biomedical ethics you know and um and then that that all sort of disappeared in episode four when the hospital blew up and kind of didn't go anywhere after that and so abby being a doctor didn't really come back into play i mean it did a little bit when she was sort of going after jaha about what's in these chips but it really wasn't until the very very end that her being a medical expert became sort of plot relevant again and but it seemed so clearly like that was how things are being set up from the beginning with all the big, you know, the hospital and, and, and who treats who and, and the grounders having this sort of visceral fear of the technology of the medical technology of Mount Weather. Um, and in 302, right. When they go, when they decide to go to Mount Weather, it was because they needed the um, blood transfusion, the blood machines, transfusion right? machines. Yeah. Yes. For Nyko. Which, yeah. Okay. So, so this, Oh God. So this totally confirms for those. <laughs> and this is like a conversation that Claire and I, this, well, it's not a conversation. It's the thing that I screamed at Claire in an email a couple of days ago um, where I was, I was thinking about like in three, in the, in perverse instantiation part two, where Murphy pumps the blood from Antari's body into Clark's body um, I was thinking about like all the medical reasons why that was preposterous. <laughs> As one does. And I was like, there's no possible way, you know, so like blood types, blah, blah, whatever. Um, but like, there's no possible way that like a human hand, like palpating a heart could have the force to pump blood out of like force blood out of one person's body and into the other person's body. And I was like, and we know that because like Latin season two Mount Weather had to have blood transfusion machines to do that mm. very thing that they need right. to sort of survive. And then I had this moment and I was like, oh my God, like there was that, there was a whole Mount Weather hospital plot that was being set up in 302. It was mm-hmm. built around the freaking blood transfusion machines and then they blew it up, but they never figured out. But like, so that was being set up so that at the end of this season, they had to return there so that they could plunt, pump night blood into Clark to make the whole thing happen. Mm-hmm. But they blew up Mount Weather and they never figured out how to like solve the technological problems. So they just had Murphy pump the heart. Um, and this just makes me feel like that wild, crazy conspiracy theory might be true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I mean, I, I think I, I really feel like there, I, I think this is going to be an interesting, interesting thing to watch over the course of season four is like, where do we get um, 
I mean, whether it's whole plot arcs or sort of smaller beats kind of popping up that were things that we had predicted in season three that seemed borne out by the first two episodes of season three that then went away that became part of of like this sort of the shadow season. Like what were the, what were the storylines that sort of started and then abandoned kind of midway through um, the, or, or things that they sort of teed up and then sort of set up and went nowhere. Um, Because I, I, I feel like the fact that so much of what's happening in season four seems to be about sickness and so many Mm -hmm. things seem to be set in like medical environments and, and this sort of general sense of like plague hysteria and quarantine and, you know, and things like that. It feels like, um, it feels like it draws thematically from where I thought that hospital storyline was going to go and then doesn't. Yes. Yes. Um, Oh, and that reminds me actually, I I think to go back to that things from 302 that were set up that didn't go anywhere. Um, So I'm, I think that we get the one shot of Luna in the trailer. Yeah. She's like laid out on a pallet. She looks, she looks very sick. She's Mm -hmm. next to a little girl who's also sick. Um, so I'm guessing probably radiation something. Anyway, so she's sick, but there's like a shot from behind um, I can't remember if it's, I think it's of the little girl's face sort of mm-hmm. like looking past Luna, but there's a man sitting next to their bed. Yeah. Um, sort of looking at them with a beard and I'm 90% sure that's Nyko. Um, so, so I think maybe, so Nyko is somehow seems to be like maybe coming in through Luna. We know that's what I back. think too. Yeah. I, that's what I saw. I was like, okay, this is Nyko sitting by somebody's bedside. And so again, like, so once again, do we have Nyko entering into some kind of a medical plot? Yeah. Um, like he, like he, well, I mean, okay. So, so maybe the way, because it would make sense that Nyko is there, you know, he escaped um, from the prison um, uh, in whatever the episode is, uh, 309. Cause that's the one where Lincoln yeah. dies. Um, so it would make sense that where he fled was to Luna or where he wound up was Luna because she's mm-hmm. kind of like the safe haven for people who, who don't have another place. Um, but so maybe the way that Luna comes back in, you know, maybe the reason, the, the way that she finally, um, you know, decides to like leave her safe space is if they're getting pelted by radiation right? and she's sick, you know, and Nyko knows that the sky people have medical technology that could save them. Maybe mm-hmm. it's Nyko who convinces her. Um, that makes a lot of sense because, because we, we established so early on in season three. Well, actually any, and even in season two, when she saves um, Lincoln, that like Nyko gets like Nyko, Nyko sees that Abby can do things, you know, cause he's a healer of his tribe. Like he's, he's right. there, he's their guy's medical man. And he knows there are things that Abby can do that he can't do. And he has enormous respect for Abby's skills. And he also understands, um, he doesn't have that same visceral fear of technology. I think he has a more sort of holistic sense of like, you know, if these are things that can help people, then they're not things to be afraid of, you know? Right. And yeah. um, he sees them as tools, you know, this is like a tool. Yeah. For healing, it doesn't have any sort of like mystical, right? Exactly, yeah. And and the fact that you don't understand <laughs> it doesn't mean that it's fundamentally bad. So yeah, so I I feel like, um, I think if anyone could, you know, and 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 also especially, you know, I think I think Luna, Luna being unlikely to maybe seek help for herself, but if it was like a child from her, like if that kid is one of her mm-hmm. kids, 
And we it looks see... like maybe the little girl who was. I was wondering if it was the tortured. same little girl yeah. like, which, that she was sort of mentoring because that, like, like Luna, Luna would Luna's would be very unlikely to like, you know, leave, um, leave her place, you know. Um, just for herself to get treatment for herself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she very much would do it. I think to say if she was sick, but also somebody else was sick, especially that child. And and one of the things I'm now wondering. Um, so the boat scene. So I was kind of looking at it like they're on the boat, maybe headed because it's it's a Maury's boat. Um, yes. And and so I just sort of in my head was like, oh, okay, so she's maybe they're go- they're all maybe they're all going back to the mansion because that's where we saw the boat going to before. But if they're taking the boat to like if they get word that Luna is sick or they get word that like um, Nico comes Luna's back oil and says, rig, help us. yeah, um, then because everyone we see on the boat, we see we see Abby and we see Jackson, and Jackson is very unlikely to be on any kind of like an away mission that isn't medical. You know, yeah, like if if yeah. they're going to the mansion, why is Jackson there? Yeah, um, but they, and have, we they don't have... see we don't see Murphy or Clark on that boat, right? Well, we so I I didn't see. I was told that Murphy and Amory were both visible. I did not see them. I saw I saw Abby and Jackson and Miller, um, okay. and in the back of the boat, um, and then and then Sam and Brittany told me that they saw, or somebody else told me that they saw, um. Murphy and Amori. I did not see either of them. I think I think Amori must be I mean like she must be driving it. She's like up on the top level. Um and and presumably if she's going Murphy would would go with her. Um I in my heart of hearts I'm a, I'm a little I'm a little tiny bit hoping that it affirms my new obsessive headcanons about Murphy going to work in medical with Abby and Jackson. <laughs> um because I just I really that was one of the, the sort of the best surprises of the season three finale was that like completely unexpected, you know, like medical improbability aside, the pairing of Murphy and Abby and Abby being like the first adult who has sort of grudgingly earned his respect. And also Murphy having a job like Murphy yeah. being given something to contribute besides just, you know, being an asshole or, or, or being like one of 10 people standing there on an away team with guns, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in kind of where, where he goes and what new purpose he finds. And I, and I really want Murphy to have a job where he's contributing to the team. And so I'm, I'm sort of in love with this idea that has kind of like emerged in the fandom and everybody's head cannons about like nurse Murphy, you know, like going to actually like work with them. Um, but I like the idea of him potentially, you know, being along for the ride, not just because Amori is driving and he doesn't want to leave Amori, but because maybe, you know, maybe he's been involved in some way, you know, like on the medical end. Um, and so I don't know. So, so. Okay. So I'm looking at the, the frames right now. Okay. And I don't, I don't see Amori. I okay. see. But it's her Ab- boat, right? It's her boat. It, well, it looks like her boat. Yeah. It's yeah. at least I see Abby. And Jackson's up on top, and I see Miller sitting down, and yeah. I'm pretty sure I see I saw Brian, and then there's a kid in the kind of like a guard-looking guy in the background in one uh-huh. of the shots who kind of like he's blurry and sort of far away, 
And he's he looks like blurry and far away, like he could plausibly be Murphy, but it, I don't think it's Murphy. Like he's definitely in a guard uniform, and I think he's okay. like a little bit bigger, so I actually don't see him there. So it could just be like so, a rando, yeah. It could um, just be like a random guard. So okay. I mean, if they are if that's them. So I, I mean, like whatever. Like who knows if you know? Again, there could be other people on that boat that we're not seeing, sure. but I don't see yeah. them there. Um, so if that is a boat going out to Luna, then then he. And that that seems to be the crew. Although, like it is, you know, like we don't, they don't know where that rig is located. Um, everybody who's been there was well. I guess if Nico came and got them, then he could have told them. Yeah, if if Nico if Nico's with them, or it's possible that Amori might know. That's you true. Know. That's true. Um, um. So yeah. So I don't know. So I think that's so that's one sort of question is is where is the boat going? Why are both Abby and Jackson on it? What is Abby? Abby is holding something. Like I don't know what she's holding. That was sort of another question I had. But I but I think it could. She looks it like could she has like a be... pillow under her arm, and she's got like her hand on her heart. I don't know. So I was I I had I was thinking like she's holding something like close to her chest, and I was sort of wondering. I was like, is she like? Is she holding on to her rings? I don't know. Um, or or somebody was like, maybe she's holding on to, maybe she has the flame. Like that, and she's like mm-hmm. holding like, because she, that, that arm gesture would make sense if you're like holding some tiny little thing. I don't know. Um, so who knows? But but so I, yeah. to me, it felt like the two, the two most likely speculations about that are either, you know, she's with the tech squad going back on Amori's boat to, um, uh, to the mansion or potentially are they, you know, are they going out to where Luna is? If, if where Luna is sick is like, if Luna's on her own rig and they go out to her, I don't know. But I, yeah. but I like the idea of a, of an Abby Nyko medical. Yeah. Yeah. We, no, I think that would yeah. be really great. So yeah. the other possibility for the place that we talked about, um, them going to on the boat is Allie's mansion with mm-hmm. the possibility that they need some like information that's like they need information that might be on like the servers in that house or they need like yeah. some technology that would be there i mean i think it, it would make sense that since clark erased the programming of the flame um you know the like the city of light sort of like network she she erased that part of the software mm-hmm. that like potentially it might be that they have to like go to ali's um servers like the hardware right. Um, yeah. to get the data, to get data about the um, meltdown that Allie had warned about. So it's possible yeah. that they're going out to do that. That's, Although that's with Abby my... and Jackson on the boat, that seem, does seem more medical. But it seems like, but I mean, I guess, there, you know, that, there could be multiple boat Yeah, <laughs> I, it could be, it could be that, it would actually be cool if we got a lot of, if we got multiple, you know, boat things. I, so, so my theory with the Allie's mansion thing, I think you're right. I think, I definitely think that's what they're doing. And I think that that is what the, the white room that looks like Polaris. I think that's what it is. I bet Um, you that, I bet you that is what it is. Yeah. So who we see in that room is we see Murphy and Amori. We see Murphy and Clark and we see Abby and Raven. Um, and so, and we, and, so the idea of the, the oh shit, five... that's where oh hang on that's where Abby says to Raven first we first we find her first we save everyone then we get our humanity back okay so yeah. and then and then we also see that's where Emory Emory says to I always say Emory uh, Emory says to um, Murphy please survive please and that's survive. So yeah. Murphy is yelling at Clark so like clearly some at... some of some kind of like whatever the shit is that 
like Abby and Clark seem to be advocating would mm-hmm. seem to be going down there. Yes. So here's why I'm why I'm what I'm really excited about with that is that that seems to be like if if that's accurate, that's a that's a Clark, Abby, Raven, Murphy, Amori together squad which would be like amazing yeah which would be like the best like like i it's like i don't even care what they do they could just sort of like wander around the woods and argue with each other but i but i'm just so like all all i wanted and i say this like every season like all i want is like clark and abby in a storyline together yeah you know like yeah like they They haven't really had time to like talk since yeah her dad got arrested you know right, like right like season one they were they they were important to each other but they were separated the entire time and they have like two conversations you know via like radio and so even though they had like big strong thematic parallels they weren't in the same room and then season two was full of all kinds of like you know conflict and and things felt very like until the very end you know very much like they were sort of like jostling for power and then season three Clark was gone um you know and so so one of the things that I loved the most about where season three ended that I was holding on to so much hope for what that might mean for season four that I feel very optimistic about was that season three really ended on a note of recentering like like the core relationships of the show you know, back where they belong and really putting Clark and Abby's relationship, like making it deeply plot relevant in a way that hasn't been since season one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the idea of like Clark and Abby teaming up in this thing together, Abby in, you know, in the tech squad that goes out to, um, you know, that goes out to Allie's mansion, Abby having knowledge of how radiation works. Like, you know, she's a scientist, you know? And, yeah. and so having, like having Clark and Abby and Raven who are like the three, you know, like the STEM ladies with science brains being on the team, sort of figuring this all out and Maury being the person who a has been there before and knows the tech and Murphy being the person who sort of knows the lay of the land because he was there in the bunker. You know, he has all this knowledge from his time with Murphy, with Jaha. Um, So it feels like they all really would have something substantive to contribute, but it really feels like it could be, could be setting us up for a big chunk of the plot where Clark and Abby are on a team together. And I am just like so overwhelmed and excited about that possibility. (laughs) Yes. No, I mean, I think it's long overdue to have them actually in a place where they will have a little time. Like, I think, you know, they're sort of parallel, but they barely have any conversations and the conversations that they do have, um, tend to be like either the the end of a conflict and they're very short you know it's like kind of one line right, like right. Abby Clark maybe there are no good guys and then Clark leaves or they're like fights you know they're arguments that they're having that never get resolved mm-hmm. and like they never resolved their issues really like I mean you know Clark decided kind of to um Clark decided to forgive her although it was almost more just kind of like like let's table this kind of thing yeah, yeah exactly um so they never actually like talked about what happened to jake and what happened to clark mm-hmm. and you know they never really talked about um clark coming to understand 
the decision that Abby had to make there and Abby coming to understand the decisions Clark made. So like anything where they kind of like are together for a little while and a kind of like making tough decisions, survival sort of situation, you know, where they have to sort of confront each other and it brings up all of this baggage that they haven't dealt with. I'm kind of like, yes, that seems long overdue. Oh yeah. Like I, I, cause I, I feel like if they're, you know, if they're at the mansion together and they're working on whatever it is saying, it's like they're like they can't they can't escape from the ghost of Jake Griffin in this situation that they're in right now. You know, like it would it would make no sense for that to not come up in the context of like doing a risky thing trying to save humanity. You know, like it just feels like like the time is just right for them to kind of have that out, you know, and not in a way that's yeah. sort of like antagonistic but just to like to talk about this stuff so i'm really like yeah i was very hopeful at the sort of indications that that might be potentially coming yes yeah um so as for like what what do you think they might be doing if they have to go back to if the, if where they are is ali's mansion mm-hmm. um or wherever that place is it looks very high tech another possibility yeah. is it could be one of the reactors it's like that that could be um, oh, that could be, yeah, another yeah. place. But like, it, if it all—I think it looked very sort of white and blue, kind of like Polaris aesthetic. But you're yeah. right. But it could be. But it, yeah, it is. It is some. It's very clean. Was why it sort yes, of felt yes. like this. Is Which why is, it doesn't? Yeah. It would seem. It seems very clean for like a nuclear power plant that has been abandoned for a hundred years and is melting down. You know, like it seems a little yeah. too like quiet and clean for that. Yeah. Which is why I was sort of like, you know, Allie's mansion seems more likely, but I I was trying to, I'm sort of trying to like figure out what they could possibly be doing. Right. That that is specifically, and and Murphy seems to be doing something in particular that's very risky. Like it looks kind of like he's climbing like a ladder to go into something. Yeah. Or in like, like a pod or something. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that was, so I I have, I just had a wild theory pop in my head. Oh wait, what is it? What is it? Okay, so so I was I was sort of like thinking and percolating through in the back of my head while you were talking about Abby and Clark. Um, so okay, so let's say they have to go back to Allie's mansion and they have to get something off of this. You know, they have to get like the information off the servers about what's happening so they can figure out how to solve it. Right. So so Allie Allie was the singularity, right? Like right. Allie was. And and among other things, the singularity is is um, when AI becomes sentient, but it's also when it becomes sort of like it reaches kind of like tipping point of human intelligence, and then it proceeds exponentially beyond it. But then right. the other thing, the other thing that happens in the singularity, and this is how Ali set off the um, bombs in the first place, is that at that tipping point, at that moment of the singularity, whatever the the AI. Um, gains control of all networked everything in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a kind of like, it's a tipping point of, of artificial intelligence in terms of um, the ability of the intelligence to increase its intelligence beyond human capacity. And then also it's sort of like reach and control. So like mm-hmm. the apocalypse happened in the first place because Allie, Allie passed that tipping point Whatever safeguards they had put in place to keep her contained within one computer, one unit, um, she had broken through and right. she had gotten onto the internet, basically. Like, she was in, you know, so, like, so now we're in a world where, like, I have a light bulb that is 
that works on Wi-Fi, right? Like yeah. Allie would control that. Right. Um, so it's just like everything around you. Okay. So, so there's, so there's that. So we have the singularity that it like controls all networked things. And then we have, there, there's a moment later in the trailer where we see it. We see a girl that we haven't seen before and she seems to have the flame. She's got the right, little right. like yes. Altoid box with the skull on it. Mm-hmm. where the flame lives and she like picks it up and so she presses it to her forehead and I don't know what's going on there like there's another shot later on that kind of shows they're up in the the throne room and there's like a guy standing there with like look, looks like a sensor you know for like incense um, yeah and that girl is standing next to him so it looks like it like maybe there's some sort of you know like cult of the commander kind of thing where they're like trying mm-hmm. to re- I, I don't know, maybe it fits in, like, the grounder politics thing. So you have Roan and and um, uh, Echo who are trying to, like, who are try- who, who took this sort of power vacuum situation. They're trying to um, capitalize on it. Now there's no commander, so he can take over. So maybe there are some people left over. Like, this guy was the deputy flame keeper. And maybe mm-hmm. she was, like, a nightblood or something like that. Um, and so, like, they're trying to maintain the kind of, like, cult of the commander. Um, yeah, right. But, but basically, the point is we know that the flame still exists, right? Right. So, okay, so what if in order to save everyone, what they have to do is they have to figure out a way to access the controls at all of the melting down power plants. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is for someone to take the flame so that they are like melded with the singularity. Yes. And what if, the person who does that is Murphy because what if the machine that he's climbing into there is whatever Becca's thing was that made Nightbloods? Um, oh my God. Okay. First of all, <laughs> A, you blow my mind. Um, and B, this, okay, no, this here. Okay. The, oh my God. I'm so excited. So, so it would, it would fit it could also everything, be Luna, but I don't know. It could all, yeah. But, but it could, it would, it would. So everything we've been talking about, about like, Clark has a crazy idea that everyone thinks is crazy. Um, Could anything that. that involves hooking somebody back up to Allie and potentially resuscitating Allie, like it feels like people's instinctive response would be like, "Bitch, what the fuck!" Like, like we, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you just exactly. shut it down. Like burn the chip. Forget about it. Like we have to be able to find. Like we'll figure this out on our own. We'll just drill down underground bunker like like there's got to be another way to save all of our people without bringing this sort of like ultimate evil potentially back to life um and that yes. explains why yes. so then that makes Amori's thing to murphy like like which i thought was sort of more of like an abstract thing but she's like saying survive please in this terrible dangerous thing that you're about to do like that she's like yes. saying goodbye to him maybe um but um yeah I, and and murphy is just enough of a kind of like ah eh, fuck it you know that i i like the idea of murphy to sort of taking on something that feels potentially like he's making a sacrifice for the greater good um and he does actually have an enormous amount of information yeah about- he knows more about like he he knows more about ali probably than anybody other than jaha 
Uh-huh. And like, yeah. they can't let Jaha go back in. You know, like, Jaha, I don't right. think would go back in. I have a feeling Jaha's yeah. probably, well, Jaha's bald. Titus is bald. I don't know. Maybe Jaha joins the commander cult, whatever. Well, that's um, what I was thinking because he, he has, he has sort of a culty air about him. Um, yeah, he always like, he's a, he's a man in search of a cult. Let's, let's face exactly. it. Exactly. Um, any <laughs> but cult I, but will I like... do. Any cult in a storm. <laughs> any, any cult in a storm. <laughs> It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be our season for Jaha. Any cult in the storm, but no, but um, I, but I love, but I love this idea that something that they have to do involves bringing back online, even in a partial controlled way, the that thing Raven that started the apocalypse. Handle, yeah, the thing that started the apocalypse, because that feels like exactly the kind of thing that would make people like Monty, people like David Miller, people who didn't encounter Allie face-to-face, people who weren't in the City of Light, um, feel like, well, that seems really irresponsibly risky, Clark. Yes. And then yes. she has to get people on board who are willing to, you know, sort of go along with that. But that's that feels like that 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 is exactly the kind of brilliant, crazy idea that A, only Clark would have, and that B <laughs> would would set up these kind of internal fault lines among the characters of who thinks it's worth the risk, who thinks that, you know, that Raven and and you know, Raven and Clark and the combination of all these various smart people could potentially make this happen versus who thinks this is the stupidest idea anyone has ever had. And what we should just do is just find every broken piece of the arc ship and like, you know, seal it up and then just like camp out in there for 97 years and hope that we survive, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also it would, it it would make sense that Clark and Murphy would be having the fight that they would be having if that was good, what was going on. Yes. Because it makes all the Murphy content fit. Yes. And also, I mean, like, so it's kind of perfect in terms of, you know, they love like there's sort of like parallel callback things. So there's, uh-huh. a, there's a kind of parallelism in like the only thing that can save the world is the thing. The only thing that can stop the, the apocalypse is that is the thing that caused the apocalypse. There's like that's yeah, the kind of parallelism yeah, 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 yeah. that they really, yeah. really love. Um, and Allie is too good of a of a sort of villain antagonist force for them for it not to have ongoing sort of um aftershocks the way Matt Weather did exactly yeah um and then also you know like it's a kind of a perfect for Murphy in terms of like it makes him a hero which I think is what they're they've been kind of building to but mm-hmm. also like he's a hero in a way because like like because he's expendable because if they right. send him in here and he dies you know like it's murphy right um so there's yeah. a there's a kind of like i don't know tragicomic um sort of element to it I, I think it does make the murphy content fit and then like it would also make sense i think um i mean I wouldn't be surprised if there was if there was some element to this where like anyone who was chipped can't go back in there again like it would be too right right it'd be too vulnerable to like like raven couldn't do it you know because she had been chipped and like it's just too dangerous for them to go back in and like whatever um so it has to be somebody who like who wasn't chipped before who's never been and he's the only person who wasn't chipped who knows a lot about how that process worked anyway and knows a lot about Allie. i mean he really this 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 uh this is exciting i hope i hope you're right (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you were, then, you were. I, I will say, like, for people who are listening, like, 
Aaron was right about every single prediction about Allie before. Like, like for <laughs> season three, we had we had like reams of like meta and predictions and stuff, and we whiffed it on a couple of things, but like, like spot on, like to the letter about the entire like Allie plot, like Lexa having a chip in her head, like the commander's flame, like the whole that whole thing. So I, I, so I trust your instincts yeah. about how Jason Rothenberg writes AI plots, like with my life. With my life. Thank you very much. This will be the test of whether or not that was a fluke, or if, or if, or if that was just because Jason had already given away like literally the entire plot in a series of tweets in April, and then like over the summer. So like by the time we got the trailer, I was like, "Yep." Um, but yeah, no, this this feels like likely to me. And then so yeah. so yeah, so like so it would make sense you'd have like a group of people who'd be like, um. Why would you want to like awaken the beast that caused the apocalypse that we just killed? Um, yeah. And then also, like, I feel because just because I feel like I should, like, so so the thing is that they wiped the city of light, right? Like they right. wiped that program, the Alley Two programming, mm-hmm. and um, and so I think the commanders are gone, like the people who were in in the flame like those mm-hmm. what i'm saying is i don't think that this means that lexa's coming back um yeah no, she I, died I don't in the either. city of light she, she like she died in the city of light and when you die in the city of light you're like programming is gone whatever yeah yeah and then also mm-hmm. she was erased in that kind of like when when clark pulled the lever so i think this is a more of a like they take the existing technology in the flame like if there's like the hardware Ooh. of the flame that makes it possible to network with that computer, basically, and then Raven yeah. reprograms it in order to do this one specific thing. Is that was I kind of what I always thought happen. too was like because they because they I remember somebody I remember somebody like tweeting or or saying um, like earlier in 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 the hiatus or maybe it was at one of the cons I can't remember but somebody was saying something about like the flame comes back again but is used in a different way like like somebody was asking like yeah. are they going to use the flame to like channel lexa again and they said no like the flame becomes really important but in a totally different context and so in my head i was thinking yeah. okay so it's going to be the equivalent of like plugging the flame into ali's computer and like letting the two programs talk to each other is like, I, I sort of like, like, you know, putting the flame in the CD-ROM drive, basically. Only right. Here, <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so that, so, so Raven, Raven either taking the flame apart or, or merging it in some way with something that they find um, in, in what looks like a, like a lab, you know, in, in Allie's mansion um, and, and using that to basically, replicate what becca did because raven has becca in her brain but the Um, thing about the flame is that it was always built to work as an interface with the human brain so it would make sense that that even though like they could they could re-engineer like raven could reprogram it so -hmm. that it did something different that you know it's sort of like she could she could basically like maybe write new software for it right but the way that that but but it would make sense that like they couldn't they couldn't like undo the part where it works by merging with a human brain. So that right. some they'd have to, someone has to put it in their head basically. Yes, or, exactly. Yeah. In order to make it in order in order to run the program, somebody has to take the flame. Yeah. Um 
So I, that does make me really, really curious about Luna's role. Because, like, of course, she's the, you know, she's the nightblood that we know for sure is left. Right. And if I'm right about Murphy, if I'm right about the Murphy part, yeah. that he's the one who takes the flame, then yeah. the question is, like, why doesn't Luna? Unless she's still just like, no, I will never do that. Or well, unless, like you said, they, they need someone who needs more knowledge and she, that she doesn't have. Yeah. Like, or, she, or, I mean... Or she's too sick, you know. Oh, I mean, that either, could be too. either she's yeah. too sick, or, or I mean, I don't, I don't want her to die. Um, yeah. but but if she is, um, you, you know, either if she is too sick, or if potentially also another thing we haven't really necessarily considered is like, um, you know, I mean, if she she has radiation poisoning, it looks like, uh-huh. um, and and so it's totally possible that the radiation could fuck up the black blood to the degree that it would like short circuit ah, out the flame. That's you know? true. Yeah. So yeah. so so it could be again like with, um, you know, in in another one of those sort of one of those parallels that they like. You know, in in season three, the whole plan is to put the chip in Luna, and it's only when Luna is not available that there's like a need for like a desperate emergency backup plan that involves Clark putting it in herself. You know. Yes. Um, yes. Like if they can't use Luna, they can't use Antari. And she's like, all right, I guess we're going to have to just, like, rip this bitch's chest open, put some black blood <laughs> in my face, and then, like, shove this in the back of my skull. Um, and <laughs> That is literally <laughs> the sequence of it. <laughs> um, so, so, if, so if, again, you know, what if, what if they're building a plan again this time that involves, like, the Raven saying, like, I can do X, Y, Z, you know, with the flame, I can you know like all we have to do is get a night blood to the place where we plug this thing into Allie's computer bing bang boom we can access the whole thing um and then either luna shows up or they find out that luna is sick or you know or whatever and then like emergency measures are required which involves like all right let's you know now we have to like draft a human um but because I, I it's a human, but because I don't because I don't want Luna I don't want Luna to die, but I also do feel like, you know, the only shot we see of her being sick seems to indicate that like either that's her main or only storyline, or whatever her main storyline is is something that they can't show us because it's too spoilery. And um, if she isn't really involved in this like flame thing, that it would then it would make sense that sh- that's too spoilery. Spoilery. Yeah. It also makes sense yeah, then exactly. that um, we see. So I mean, we we see Raven a bunch of times, but like never in a context that gives us much sense of what she's doing. You know, apart yeah. from just being you know the one point time when she uh, says like you have to find the the four percent whatever to, yeah. to Bellamy. And then um, she's being chased by the drones, and that's kind of all we get of her, really. Yeah, but it would make sense, like, if she's really heavily involved in this mm-hmm. in this thread of the plot, Yeah. Um, yeah. it would also explain why she's with Abby. Because, yeah. like, and this goes back to our season three speculation, where Abby and Raven yeah. have to work together because the flame is, like, a sort of hybrid technological and biological Yes. Uh, yes. Again, same. like again, another season three thing we wanted that we didn't get is the like the doctor mechanic science squad. Yeah. 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 Um, so that so makes sense too. So that and that yeah. would. Uh, so they're so in that, that room. They're in that room. So if she's if that's what Raven is doing, then again, you know, maybe this is one of those situations where like there was a limited amount of stuff that they could show of they Raven really show that us. wouldn't have yeah. given away. Um, yeah. Given away too much. Um, mm-hmm. 
I like this theory. I like it too. I really like it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I think. I think. I think it's it's both. It sounds both a plausible and b awesome. Um, <laughs> yes. And you know, and I and I, you know, it was the Alley City of Light stuff last season that really to me felt like that was the storyline that just worked like gangbusters from the beginning because they paced it really well. It kind of started off as the B story. They laid out the beats really nicely. They upped the stakes. Um, and and so by the time it sort of, it became the storyline that sort of tied everybody in, um, it felt it felt just really solidly built and, and tied into the different characters in some really compelling ways. And I really, really like, Ali, I like Becca. I mean, I don't like Ali. I think she's terrible and evil. But but I but I like I like the character. Um, uh, I really like Erica Sarah. I I hope they find some way to use her, even if it's like a Becca flashback. I don't know, you know. Um, but but I I feel like I feel good about the idea to sort of continue to seed season four with Ali Fallout the way a lot of the things that did work really well in season three were kind of Matt Weather fallout. You know, yeah. like I, I think I think allowing the big cataclysmic things to continue to have aftershocks, not just in terms of like the personal trauma on people, but like plot relevant stuff. Um yeah. you know, makes yeah. is, is part of what makes thing, the world feel really lived in. Yes. And another thing that we that we that was in our speculations for season three that never happened that I was really upset about. So like we were talking about so, so we we had talked about how like it would make perfect sense if you know if Ali's a singularity, right? It would make then then grounder superstitions about technology would make sense because yeah, at some yes. point in the past they would have learned that like the the evil thing that made the world you know like that technology is dangerous because Ali controls it, you right? Know? And if you if you have technology, then the drones come and kill you basically. Yeah. Um, so, so as a kind of like, as a piece of sort of like backstory, like retcon to give some kind of like grounding for their superstition, apart from just being like, oh, well, they're kind of like, you know, they're afraid of, of technology as savages always mm -hmm. are in, you know, in like Western media, blah, right. blah, blah, whatever. It well, really and especially, gives... especially because like, because since it seemed indicated that Ice Nation wasn't, it felt like. There has to be an explanation. Like these beliefs have to have been planted, and at some point along the way, Ice Nation either didn't get the memo or 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 realized. Well, I think did, but like became that, they got to a point where they were willing to take the risk, and then once you take the and risk, then realize you're like, nothing happens. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um and so and that also is something that is that wasn't I was waiting to be explained in season three wasn't and could fit very nicely into this storyline too because it really it really does feel like like getting getting a sense of the things that they believe were crafted by Becca and planted intentionally to serve a purpose yes and and if the the guy in the throne room and the girl with the dreads and the flame mm -hmm. if they do turn out to be the sort of remnants of the flame keeper commander cult. Like they are the people who are like, somebody needs to step up to preserve this knowledge and this tradition. 
then it's possible that we will get that background. Like maybe they're there because they're like, we have to protect the flame. You know, like we have to protect people from technology. Mm -hmm. Like we could get that mythology and maybe, you know, possibly potentially they're there as a source of conflict because they have a different, they have a whole set of, they have a whole mythology around the flame and a whole set of like values and ideas about it that are like now defunct A, but also B, incompatible with what the sky people need it for you know so that's like another kind of Mm -hmm. layer of conflict that could be introduced in their sort of like in their like quest to 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 try to avert the end of the world um is that they have to kind of like deal with these people so so that's one potential way that that could fold in kind of logically without uh in the new season that you know we're like there are no commanders left anymore there's like there's no one in the flame it's just an empty piece of they wiped the memory it's just hardware you know there's no software on there yeah um, except that to these people I, and that's and i yeah and i, I well, they like, never had the concept yeah right right they, yeah they, they had they had a totally different understanding of, of what it was and what it did and and they understood sort of the mythology of it and what i'm interested in about that that i think could be really cool and sort of tie into um you know into roan's storyline too you know because roan being a season regular um and you know, laid side by side with what we get in the trailer seems to indicate that we're going to spend a lot of time dealing with who is running the show in Polis, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and I think that there's a lot of really fascinating material that could be mined out of like the clash between sort of the jockeying for power and the clash between like a, um, a religious sect that has been in government control, like like that that this sort of the religious kind of cult of the commander has been tied in with the actual ruling structure because the commander yeah. was like a religious and political leader, right? Um, and and now you have a severing of that, so you still have in some semblance potentially you have the religion, but it's divorced from who's actually in charge. Rowan and Echo are up to some you know totalitarian like you know, take over the whole shebang kind of power grab, um, like finishing the work that Naya started where Ice Nation basically would dominate over like the entire alliance. Eastern seaboard, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah even, <laughs> even though he doesn't have the flame and isn't a nightblood and that's all sort of, you know, negated um, by what happened in the end of this last season anyway. So I, I'm really interested in what could become like, you know, kind of a civil war among the grounders of like a like literally like a secular versus a religious government kind of split um and who falls down on what side of it and what kind of actual political power if any this cult has and how difficult Mm -hmm. they could make life for rowan if they decide to not legitimize him as an actual leader you know like how how important is it to the grounders to have an ascension ceremony for whoever's in charge or could rowan just come in with his army and take over you know? Yeah, yeah, and how difficult they can make things for the sky people. Um, well, that was the other thing too. Is like the big question here is who is included in Clark's Save the World plan? Like, if because if Clark is trying to like cast in it as wide as possible and like save everybody, then it could be to her advantage if Rowan, if she and Rowan have some kind of an alliance, and he is in charge of all of Grounderdom. You know, and she manages to convince him, like, you have to get your people, like, the world is on literal fire. We have to get everyone to safety. Um, 
you know, I think her relationship with Rowan is going to become really important because if he is the person who's sort of running everything, then, you know, if he if he decides that either he doesn't believe them or he doesn't think that the problem is worth it or that it's not worth the relocating or whatever, you know, then is it like all the grounders are staying put and Sky Crew is just saving themselves, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I think, which Clark would never, Clark would not want, you know, Clark want, like Clark would want, Clark would not want to let the grounders just, you know, up and die, but she also doesn't control them anymore. And with Lexa dead, she has no real authority over them the way like you know i mean roan and indra and kane are all clan leaders you know so they have some degree of like you know they're at least on the council you know they at least like have a voice and and in the absence of lexa clark really doesn't so like how by what means does she attempt to persuade the grounders to get on board with her plan and where the hell do they put them all I wonder if that's why she's meeting Rowan and his army in that, um, yeah. in that ravine, you know, like if that's mm-hmm. her attempt to negotiate with them. There's also, they all seem to be looking up an alarm. So like, it could be a trap. Like maybe she led them there and then there's, it's an ambush. I still think it might mm-hmm. be Rowan in that with the, the radiation lesions too. So that's another possibility is that they sort yeah, of, like, totally they they're like, yeah. they're like climate change deniers. And then <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. like, whatever. And that's then when Rowan gets sick, they're like, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and the other, and the other big question that we have not addressed yet is um, presumably part of this process is that they locate the survivable 6% of the earth. And presumably it must be somewhere in the Northeastern United States <laughs> or Canada, yes. you know, um, <laughs> but, um, but if, you know, I, so this is, this is, this is nerdy to a degree that I'm almost, but not quite embarrassed about. But, um, but one time um, my friend Brittany and I did some research on where in real life in the U S and Canada, nuclear power plants are located um (laughs) and it turns out that in like northeastern canada there there is a there's a decently sized chunk of land that's far i mean in like snowy remote kind of territory but that is far enough away from from any surrounding like if they're going based on where things are in real life um far enough away from any surrounding power plants that it is totally plausible that this habitable 6% of the earth could be in Asgada. In which case, then they would have to negotiate pretty heavily to basically be like, oh, hey, Rowan, can all of humanity settle on your land and eat up all your resources for 97 years? You know? Yeah, Um, yeah. So that might be, I mean, that is potentially another thing that could be the like giant risk that Clark is taking. Although that doesn't feel to me like a risk that Monty would necessarily. No, I don't think that's the big thing. I think that would be like, like, I, I mean, I sort of feel like you have, there's a couple of different things happening. One of which is, I think, I think the big scary, I think you're right. Is, is like, do we want to, do we need to bring Allie back online? But Mm -hmm. then so presuming that that works and that's and they get the information that they needed about the power plants melting down attempting potentially to stop them 
or the very least locating where this habitable land is, then you still have the sort of the race against time element of getting everyone there. And then you have also this sort of recurring thing that everyone that Jason has brought up and has come up in interviews and stuff about not enough lifeboats, not enough lifeboats. So wherever it is that they end up isn't big enough for everybody. And so if, yeah. if it isn't, if it's in somebody else's territory, like if, if it's in ice nation territory, then the question of, you know, Rome being like, okay, fine. You can bring a hundred people. You know, like, like yeah. here's what we have room for, you know. Um, or, you know, it, alternately, I mean, like, I, I think you're right. Enough lifeboats definitely means, like, there's only so many people. Right. Um, another another possibility would be that, that Roan's, uh, maybe in addition or something possibly too, is that what Roan demands in return for letting them be there is that they, like, submit to him being their ruler. If right and and back for... his claim with the rest of the yeah. grounders yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which would be another kind yeah. of like conflict point but yeah the lifeboats mm-hmm. thing yeah i mean like so so maybe like the flame thing is like a gambit to try to you know make a bigger lifeboat but they still right. have to you know they still have to like get into a lifeboat that has that has limited space or they have to negotiate mm-hmm. for how many people can go there that actually yeah. would like that makes sense too because we know that um you know, echoes back, and we know from comments people have made in interviews that he and that she and Bellamy have at least some, you know, interaction. Like mm-hmm. they seem to be on on set at the same time, and like Roan and Be- and uh, or um, um, Bob and Zach were filming at the same time. So, given that Ice Nation were responsible for the Mount Weather bombing, you know, like they were the like mm-hmm. the kind of like the real enemy. They were Pike's real enemy. They were kind of like the real enemy that that Bellamy was lashing out against. Uh-huh. Um, in in season three, that that would also kind of force Bellamy's reckoning with what he did in season three. Mm-hmm. Um, through them as well, right? So like well, that and would kind of also work nicely, yeah. And this also sort of like like going back to like like the shadow season, like the things that were sort of like tapped out lightly in season three that then like went away. You know, like season three really set up, like kind of like teed up and then and then fell away from, um, like a ice nation versus farm station with Arcadia in the middle, kind of conflict where it felt like, you know, like from from the first episode or two, it felt like it was plausible to think what they were setting up was some kind of a situation where, like. You know, does Clark end up getting, you know, kidnapped by Rowan, taken to Naya? She sort of strikes some deal with Naya and then comes back to Arcadia and she's like, oh, we're friends with Ice Nation now. And everyone is like, no, we're not. We have all these new people who just showed up who Ice Nation has been like massacring their children. What the fuck? You know, and and so the idea of like brokering a strategic alliance with Ice Nation um, and then just sort of, you know, presenting that as as already you know already done like already you know like too late to do anything about it to everyone in Arcadia many of whom still view Ice Nation as like the ultimate ultimate enemy you know everyone at Farm Station certainly does Bellamy I think would um you know a lot of the others Raven you know yeah um, yeah so so it feels like that could you know again sort of pulling at like where where were their threads of like oh, this is starting to go somewhere interesting. And then they kind of pulled back and it didn't go anywhere. Um, but the idea of 
um, what would it look like to the people of Arcadia if Clark was like, all right, so to get something that I've decided that we need without putting it to a vote, but because this is the thing that we need, um, now we're friends with Ice Nation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Roan is our king, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah. I, I think that could be, um, like, could be a really potent source of, of relational conflict and also a really nice way to, like you said, um, give the characters some reckoning, you know, like Monty's dad died, you yeah, know, yeah. and, and he hasn't really, yeah, and his mom was is yeah. because of Ice Nation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so there's, you know, and, and Brian, you know, so it puts yeah. Miller in a really tough spot. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and, um, and then also, you know, Bellamy with losing Gina and, you know, and Raven with, you know, what happened with her and Sinclair almost getting killed. Um, and also her relationship with Gina as well, you know, so, so I think that, um, I think bringing back that sort of like, you know, that there's, because there's a lot of interesting stuff that can be mined by everyone's reactions to like, Clark made a unilateral decision for all of us without asking, because that's come up before, you know, and that's been an interesting, you know, Jasper calls her on that, that comes up sometimes, um, but but some kind of a like Clark and Roan brokering some kind of a strategic partnership where she sort of agrees like like Kane did with Lexa, you know, like, all right, we're we're going to continue to be the 13th clan. We're going to continue to be, you know, sovereign subjects of the grounder throne because it gets to something that I have decided that our people need, you know, then then I think it gets into sort of some of the same um and we didn't really see the fallout of that. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, like, like, it was so funny in, in 3A, they were touting all this, like, this big political stories. And it's like, you did not actually depict any politics. Like, you're no, not you, engaging you, with the questions of, like, you governance. Up. And upon what basis does, yeah. you know, your leader claim power? And how, what extent does, to, to what extent does that power reach? And, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and they set these things up to be fascinating and then didn't deliver. Like, like, you know, we know that Kane and Abby lost the election to Pike for reasons that were to do with sort of grounder xenophobia, but we didn't hear anybody say to Kane, like, by what basis did you basically did you and Clark decide that we were all now going to be grounder subjects without putting it to any kind of a vote when mm-hmm. we know that sky crew is, is at the very least a republic. Like they have a council who makes decisions, you know, yeah. at minimum. Um, and and presumably, since everyone voted for Pike, they're they're also to some degree they're also a democracy. So, um, so that's not how their people make leadership decisions. Like that's not how it's supposed to work. And and Kane and Clark, because they had information that other people didn't have, and because it really did seem like this is the right thing to do, made that choice. Um, but it didn't go over well. And so that was something else where, again, like really interesting fallout could have happened and didn't. And so I wonder if, you know, and maybe, and maybe this is just me getting optimistic of like, I'm going down my season three shopping list of like things I wanted to see then (laughs) that maybe I could see now. So I don't know, but, but it does, it does feel like, um, you know, I, I think sort of regardless of the circumstances, I think there's juicy, interesting material in, um, the kind of collective response of Sky Crew to Roan being somebody that Clark has a strategic alliance with and how other people feel about that. You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and it also just occurred to me 
in terms of like Monty objecting to the the flame plan that it would make sense that he'd be really upset because Allie is the reason he had to kill his own mom. Exactly. So yeah. That would be very personal for him. Yeah, that'd that would be really be, triggering. Be, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's been two hours. Um, <laughs> and the trailer One is hour three fucking minute minutes long. Trailer. <laughs> we we really just don't know how to do this in less than oh two God. hours. We like, don't. We ever. don't. No matter. It doesn't even matter how. It doesn't matter much how long the thing is. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, so like two little, two little stray things that I wanted to get in. One is that to go back to Octavia, we see Octavia with Nyla a couple of times. Yeah. Um, which in terms of Octavia's art kind of being about like her going like all in on vengeance and then like through a series of, you know, like presumably sticky and gray and bad situations, she kind of like learns to recognize the complexity. Um, so that was really exciting because I think Naya is a character who's already positioned to kind of be that voice that, that like dwells sort of, you know, like she's not a warrior. She's not in the conflict. You know, she's Mm -hmm. a person whose life has been sort of shaped by these conflicts. Um, who has, who has, who was a victim, you know, of the Grounder Massacre in season three and that she lost her father, you know, so Mm -hmm. she's familiar with grief and pain and loss. And Mm -hmm. she's also somebody who has like, you know, she, she would be like, she's also angry at Bellamy, but like, but processes her grief differently. You know, she's sort of, so I, I really like that pairing in terms of, you know, sort of like contributing to that arc for Octavia of having her learn to kind of like, figure out how to process her grief and her anger in a way that isn't just like being death from above. Um, yeah. And I really wanted yeah. that. I, I think I'm on record as saying like, I really wanted that to be Luna, <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but I think Nyla's great for it too. Like, so that, so I'm yeah. excited about that. Yeah, no, I and totally agree. Other- and I also am ready to ship it. <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean we know that nyla likes girls we don't know for we sure that yeah. octavia doesn't you know and nobody has exactly. any sign. nobody has there's no labels in this world supposedly so mm-hmm. as far as i'm concerned everyone is pan um so it could totally be a thing and i would be down with that um okay and then the other thing so there's like a few like of the stray people we talked about the girl with the dreads of the flame and we talked mm. There's like some random grounders, but the other guy that we see. So, so one of the casting announcements that they made, there was like big, like new welcome to the cast guy. Like, uh-huh. and then I can't remember his name. All I remember about him is that I saw his picture and I was like, oh, he's like really young Bellamy. Um, was it Hugo? Yeah, I feel like he's like I, also I vaguely South remember. Asian. Yeah, I I I know who you're talking about. I want it. Let's just call him Hugo. I think it was Hugo. <laughs> All right. His name is Hugo for our purposes. Um, and I tried to look. I, I don't know what episode he comes in in, so I couldn't find him mm-hmm. in their uh, in their thing. But anyway, so he's the guy who at one point we see him. He's he's at that farm that we've seen some pictures, some set pictures yeah. of where people are hiking. Yeah. And he's like, he's on his knees screaming no. Um, and there's appears to be, he appears to be like cradling a dead body. There's like another dead body yeah. right there. And it looks like from what he's wearing, it kind of looks like his costume sort of fits with 
um, was it the Glowing Forest crew? There's a couple of the crews that they had uh-huh. announced. They were talking about yeah. the press day. Um, one of them was like a shepherd clan. They're both like very peaceful. And it looks like he's a part of them. So uh, what I the thing that I'm not sure about, like obviously like so somebody came through and killed the people that he loves um as they are wont to do and it doesn't look like it's radiation because he's okay so i wonder who did it and um but i think and i can't tell because i don't know his face well enough but there's like a guy with octavia later on in the trailer when there she's doing her like you know bamf walk um with like the two guys flanking here there's like a guy with a shaved head next to her Mm -hmm. who kind of looks like it might be this kid after he shaved his head, but I can't tell. Yeah. Um, but that seems to be like another thread. Like, so we're getting another character who like in, in one of these conflicts, somebody came through and kills his family and that's, right. and he's going to, if he is the guy with Octavia, then maybe like he's somebody he that goes, he picked yeah. up on, his, on her like vengeance. Well, squad. So I have a theory about that actually. Okay. Um, Excellent. So my theory about that guy holding like cradling the dead bodies and, and, you know, and, openly and totally in grieving. Um, so what I remember from the grounder casting announcement was so there was, there was a guy and a girl. I think the girl might be, um, they said something about like, like her being like very religious. So I'm, I'm thinking that this is the woman with the dreads that we saw with the, um, uh-huh. with the flame. Um, and, and what it said about the guy was that he was in the city of light and that his, he was like reckoning with like, the cost of what he had done. So I think he killed his people. Like I ah. think that he was possessed by Ali. And what we're seeing is, um, is, is that he either directly or indirectly, um, like he, but he got chipped. Um, and, and that he comes out of the city of light and realizes that he has in some way been responsible for the deaths of at least one person that he cares about. Because um, what I remember from the casting thing was that it, was that it sounded like, I, I, I remember this because I remember it being like, okay, so he's, he's Kane. He's getting a Kane arc. <laughs> like he, like he did something <laughs> awful and he's like having to carry the weight of it. Like, all right, you know, um, like he's Kane and Bellamy. Okay. Um, but, but that, but I remember it being something like, he came out of the city of light and he's carrying the weight of like things that he did, the memory of the things that he did and trying to kind of like adjust to that new reality. So if it's the yeah. same guy that what, what we could be seeing in that is like him literally like waking up from the city of light and like realizing, you know, realizing what he did. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and that maybe our sort of entry point into, and maybe, maybe, him teaming up with Octavia. Um, I mean, you know, if he, if he killed his, you know, his parents or his child or his siblings or somebody that he loved um, because Allie made him, that's, you know, that's as compelling of a reason to sort of go full dark and become like a vengeance demon, you know, I think as, um, as Octavia has, like, I think yeah. you, you would be equally yeah. fucked up. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, so, yeah. So that's my okay. guess about, about shepherd guy. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'm into that. I'm um, down. With and then that. I think the last thing that I think we should talk about is so. So, are you agreed with me that um, 
radiation-soaked Clark at the end is a dream sequence? And if so, <laughs> do you believe, because this is already becoming a fandom debate, is it Bellamy's dream or is it Abby's dream? Because okay, this is like the debate so, that we're all having. Yeah, so I like, I, I've been deliberately avoiding all season four speculation in order uh-huh. to try to not have any like preconceived notions before I saw the trailer. And I've been trying to avoid seeing discussion of the trailer since it went up today because, again, I just wanted – I didn't want to, like – I want to have my own thoughts. But this is one of the – one of the few things that I did see was this debate. Mm -hmm. Um, And it seems – it seems plausible to me that it's um, a dream sequence, like, Mm -hmm. um, for a number – the way that it's shot where it seems to be like a point of view shot with the arm coming forward, that is not mm-hmm. something that they usually, that the show does very much. And it's also something that's very frequently done cinematically to signal like you're in a dream, you know? So right, that right. does seem to fit. Um, it would also seem like it would be like a huge thing, you know, if Clark almost died of radiation. Yeah. Um, and it also seems like the kind of fake out where they'd be like, Oh my God, does Clark almost die of radiation? No, it's a dream. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I so so I would I would plausibly buy that it's a dream of some kind. Like it could be a fever dream or something. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the whether it's Bellamy or Abby, the pictures that I saw, it looks to me like Bellamy's hand. Mm, interesting. Um, I don't like. It depends on the picture, but there's like the clearest one, which is where his hand is like fully on her shoulder. Uh-huh. It looks to me like Bellamy's hand. It's also like relative to her shoulder. It's very big. Um, mm-hmm. And Bellamy, as is well established, has enormous. <laughs> Bellamy hands, doesn't begin, yeah. Um, yeah. Which Shosh has ruined for me forever <laughs> because she secretly hates me. Um, uh. <laughs> I love you, Shosh, but you did ruin me forever. So, so yes, so that's where I'm at. I think maybe I think it's maybe a dream, and I think that it's Bellamy's hand. Okay. So I definitely think that it's a dream. I I come down on team Abby's hand, having also stared at many pictures of this today. I love that like, this is this is the fan debate that we're having. Um because it looks like Abby's fingernails. Um although I do think that what we have learned is that Abby Abby and Bellamy, I guess, have very similar hands. Um or or, or we think that they do. But um but it definitely, I, th- I think for the same reason that you mentioned, like, it's the kind of jump scare you put at the end of a trailer to make everyone go, oh, no, Clark's going to die, when she's obviously not, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so it, you know, bearing in mind that the trailer is a marketing tool and everything that is in here is strategically chosen to make us think a particular way about what's going to happen in this season. And sometimes they're, you know they're teasing us with things we want to happen. And sometimes they're misleading us about terrible things, you know? Um, But it did, it did really feel like, all right, so this is like someone is just having a dream and they're tagging it at the end of this trailer to make it look like, Oh my God, Clark's going to die of radiation, which I can't imagine is going to happen. And it could also be Clark's dream. Um, It could be Clark's dream. Yeah. But I, but I was trying to figure out where it was and it looked a little bit like the blue room, but not quite. Um, so that was something else I think I, I was sort of, I'm, I'm intrigued by, you know, like where, if the person is dreaming, where that happens, who it is. Um, and, and, the, and the great <laughs> whose hand is on Clark's shoulder debate of 2016. Um, I did but, see some, uh, I mean, like, I do, I do, I, I would agree that there's 
certainly room for debate. Like, I saw some pictures where I was like, oh, that could be Abby's hand. But there was one in particular where it was, like, fully on. It was, like, there were a couple other pictures of of Bellamy's hand where I was like, no, that's definitely Bellamy's. And then also, like, the sleeve looks like Bellamy's jacket. Hmm. So I feel pretty... I feel pretty secure in my okay. assessment that it's Bellamy. Okay. Um, this is going to be fun when we find out. <laughs> this is going to be fun when we find out. There's also like a little piece of me that, you know, for shippery reasons is like, you know, Bellamy's yeah, no, totally. there about Clark dying off. Um, but like, obviously that, that, that also works for Abby being her mother. So you yeah, know, exactly. Go, by the way. But yeah, we're just, I'm on... we're just like, we're so loyal to our own teams. Yeah. Um... <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, again, not that I will be so predictable. We are so <laughs> predictable. Yeah, really. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like when you asked that question, I'm sure everyone was like, oh, I know. I was like, I feel like I know exactly what she's going to say. Yeah. Um... Uh, but I would not be displeased if it was Abby. That's, that's. Yeah. No, I mean, it's either they're both good options and it also, and it could, and, and it could be. Clark having a dream too. It I mean, it could be like yes. Clark yes. turning herself around in a mirror. I don't know. Um, but it, but it definitely feels like it's a it's a dream sequence that seems to if it indicates anything plot related, um, I think it bears out your theory about um, her and Murphy doing something really particularly risky related to like potentially retriggering the apocalypse by bringing Allie back online. You know, I think that's a um, yeah, so I don't know. So we'll see. Um, okay. Yes. But overall, Excellent. are you excited? I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, I yeah. was. I that that totally just like lit me right back up again. Me too. Me too. Um, yeah, I feel I feel <laughs> like it's going to be a good season. Yes, I agree. There's a lot of stuff in there that I'm really you know like character stuff and like theme stuff and plot stuff that I that I think seems to be likely to happen that I'm really excited about. And, uh, and I'm happy that they are, don't appear to be likely to like totally fuck up Bellamy some more, <laughs> which is always a priority for me. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I really, I feel like they, just from this little bit, it's like, I feel like they did right by everybody. I feel like they did too. Like, I think that it was a really, you know, the, uh, the, for the, the trailer I think was not so it's like super heavily skewed towards any particular character or relationship uh-huh. or anything like that like it was a pretty even distribution of what we got for most of the main characters mm-hmm. um you know like we got little sort of like bits and teases for everybody but not like a huge amount and um yeah so no i i thought i thought it was a good trailer i'm excited mm-hmm. for it i'm excited about our theories like i'm i'm excited to me too <laughs> if i if i actually did call the um the flame plot again for a second season in a row <laughs> uh, <laughs> i don't know man i'm just gonna like oh my God. I, you, they should they should hire uh, you to come work for them for them or or they should hire you to like do their marketing and be like here's how to hide your tracks better right yeah no seriously <laughs> or they, yeah i was gonna say or they should hire me to shut up and stop <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> one of those three i guess but on the other hand maybe i'm completely wrong and this will be all moot um okay so i got the go sign from my husband being like you've been talking for two hours and 20 minutes i want to go to sleep about a three minute trailer <laughs> sorry so jordan <laughs> uh, uh, um it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be recording if it weren't if, I, yeah. if we didn't stop only because some some force, some outside force came along to like 
halt our inertia for real <laughs> a podcast in motion stays in motion exactly <laughs> Uh, all right um so well so we will um we're gonna be at unity days in january as most people know um we we are still working and we don't have any news to report but we're still working on maybe trying to line up some interviews either before then or at the conference um but we're gonna be back doing weekly recaps for season four when it starts back up again on february 1st and we're really excited so excited it's gonna be insane insane yes so we will see you on february 1st if not potentially before um thank you for enduring this unedited ridiculousness uh who doesn't make you think that we're giant idiots Uh, all right oh my god aaron can't have sound effects sound effects are the best (laughs) <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs>